0: Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to the 16th edition of Where They At. My name is Nabate Isles, and it's always a pleasure to feature elite athletes in their specific sports that are doing wonderful things during their retirement. And this episode, I'm featuring one of the most dangerous individuals in the history of mixed martial arts. He excelled in multiple martial arts disciplines like karate, Muay Thai, Taekwondo, Krav Maga, etc., etc. He was the king of Pancrace and he had a 21 fight unbeaten streak 20 wins no losses and only one draw when he retired and he was the UFC heavyweight champion by the time he had to retire unfortunately due to injuries and was inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame in 2015 a master trainer with a lot of different methods for enhancing uh people that are into the martial arts and into fighting in general and he's one of the top analysts in all the sports definitely giving expertise with vibrance as well it is my pleasure to introduce my friend the one and only sebastian boss rootin how are you sir
1: i'm doing great and 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 you know it Enjoying the sunny California weather again because it was raining for a couple of days. Sun came back today.
0: Wow, that's shocking when it rains there. You know, it was, oh, yeah, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. I found out this one average is one day a month. That's yeah. what it rains in in California. Wow. And I go from Holland. So 70% of the time it's freaking raining, you know? So this is paradise every single day.
0: Oh, I, I dig it. I dig it. And, and, and with LA, I love Southern California. I miss it. I try to get there as much as I can and everything for sure. And, uh, and, and boss, wow. How, how's everyone holding up, unfortunately, with this COVID 19 going on? Anyone that's been affected that you know? No,
1: nobody. And in, in, in fact, I ask all my buddies and everybody, But none of my friends or family members knows one person. Wow. Yeah, weird, right? It's very good. you hear from all these people on the news, but you know, you don't, you don't, in a friend group. So no, we're all, thankfully, we're all good. You know, I'm dealing with it, just staying home, you know, following the rules, what the government says, I think that's the smartest thing to do right now. Yes, sir. And then uh, every day I do go to the gym though, but it's closed, of course, and I stream a workout. So at 10 a.m. every day. On my Facebook page, YouTube oh. page, Fight TV, actually, it's free workouts for everybody in the world. It's kind of fun because people oh, okay. are jumping in from all all countries around the world, So and they're enjoying it. So I'm having a good time.
0: Oh, well, I'm beyond that, for sure. That's 1 o'clock Eastern time, so I'll be on that, for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and how is the body action system going? Because, <laughs> boss, that... It, it, it's amazing what, what you do with that and, and, and just it helps people be able to get not just fit, but really mentally focused
1: as well with,
0: with the exercises you do with that.
1: Yeah. That's, you know, it's a punch kicking device for the people at home who don't know. And it, it's, your, it's like a real body. So you have a head, you have a body and it's not like some other products out there and they have like, you know, the, the a lot of different focus bits, but I always say, you know, if somebody holds a focus with say like boxing, Well, you're fighting two guys right now. These are two heads. Mm -hmm. Why won't you catch everything in front of you? That's what I always tell my students, you know, you need to catch everything. Because this is, you give them a full sense of distance. And distance in fighting is everything with power, you know. I mean, the longer a strike travels, the more power it has. So I realized, wait a minute, there's nothing like that, that you can do uppercuts on, body shots. And then I have the the body is shaped in a certain way. So if you hit the body shots in the angle it is shaped, you actually hit the perfect body shot. So... You know, that suddenly, it took a long time to make though. It's over two years. I broke a lot of them. And uh, since it carries my name, it said, body action system, boss. So I go, yeah. yeah. They, they almost said, let's, let's do it now. I said, no, I can't. I'm still breaking them. I said, if I'm breaking them, then yeah, no, we got to go complaints. So now we're out there. Everything is working really well. It goes with a guarantee. You break it, you get a new one. Like the head breaks, mm-hmm. you get a, we sent you a new one. That's how confident we are now about the sturdiness of the, of the machine.
0: Wow, that's deep. And it's bodyactionsystem.com. So check that out, everybody. And, and I need to get myself one, too, because I, I do a lot of boxing training myself, so that really helped. But also, I need to do more, more striking with leg striking, too. I should
1: be yeah. doing that more, too, because that's the ultimate workout. It's he- also with your fingers, right? You need to keep them working all the time. Yes, so, yes, yes, indeed. And heavy back, heavy back, you know, over time, you start hurting your joints, you know, everything starts, because it's every time you hit it, that's the great thing about this. Also, it takes the power out of the punch, right. so you don't have that impact the whole time coming back at you. Like my I, my neck, I have four neck surgeries. I can't hit a oh. heavy bag anymore because it comes back the power. But this thing, mm-hmm. I can still hit. So that's a good
0: wow. That, and that's a good thing because I know with the heavy bag, I make sure I got all. I, I hit light, you know, like more speed and light. Just like you said, to look out for those joints. That's 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 important. Wow. Here with UFC Hall of Famer and one of the great great fighters of all time in any combat sport, Mr. Boss Wooten, on the 16th episode of Where They At. So now, Boss, I mean, you came up from from Tilburg, Netherlands, you know? And when you were young, you were kind of like, you were looking to kind of find something and find your way. You went through eczema and asthma when you were so young, too. How was martial arts able to curb the physical ailments you had when
1: you were young? Well, it, well, I started martial arts because of the physical ailments I had. I had a horrible skin disease. Like literally, I would br- make a fist at times; it would it would break. Like pus would come out. It was disgusting. So, needless to say, when you're a kid and you have to wear these gloves and all these kids see you in your face, I got it on my ears and in my neck. You don't have a lot of friends, you know. They call you the leper. You're the leper in school, and of course, you know you get bullied a lot. Mm-hmm. Until I saw a movie from Bruce Lee. I saw Enter the Dragon when it was. I said, wait a minute. If I'm like that guy, <laughs> I think the bullies will stop, you know. So I asked my parents, and it took me two years to convince them to do it because they thought it was violence. And uh, after two years, I, I, I was allowed to start training Taekwondo. That was the first art I did. Uh, mm-hmm. An adult took me under his wing. So uh, my, my, my neighbor girl, she's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> she was dating the coolest guy in town. And this guy, he took me under his wing to the adult classes. So I was training as a 14-year-old with the adults. And mm-hmm. it just went really fast. I was in months. I was dropping the adults, you know. And then I overheard him talk about me. And, of course, you know, if you only hear crap uh, talked about you to, by the other kids, but then suddenly adults start speaking highly of you, yeah. you know, you start believing the adults. And, man, this kid has a lot of talent. He dropped his so-and-so. And everybody's laughing, you know. And uh, Wow, he's, he's speaking up so fast. And so I started listening. And then I got into a fight with the biggest bully in my school. Yep. Uh, and six of his buddies. And I just knocked him out. One shot. And, and that was it. And that, you know, they always say, don't, uh, violence is not the answer, right, with bullying. Well, let me try, I tried for 14 years, tried everything, talking, talking, and talking, and talk. it never worked. I gave one punch. That's right. It knocked him out and it was 95% done. Nobody, it was over, immediately. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, unfortunately, these people are such idiots and, they, you know, it's proven, the majority of them as the lower IQ people, they don't really get it. So That's right. But then we have to speak in their language. You know, which yep. is violence, because they can't do it. So now it's cause and effect. Now I'm actually—I think I taught that that bully a big lesson. I don't think he bullied a lot of kids anymore after that. That's right. That's see, right. So I think you have to go through that. But nowadays you can't do anything anymore, right? You—you uh, can rip almost babies out, out, out of the womb. But but if you if you spank your kid, you go to jail. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. That's a whole other thing.
1: Yeah, now, so it's a little uh, bizarre. But I'm telling you, that punch helped me, and if. People keep on pushing it. I tell my students also, and the parents come in because they want the kids to have, a, 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 you know, a, a discipline and, and, and a feeling, feeling good about himself. So once they come in, I say, you understand that if he gets into a fight, he's going to be allowed to hit, right? I don't want you one of these parents to put him on in martial arts and then he cannot defend himself. No, 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 we want them. That's what they all tell. We want them to, to start fighting if they attack him, of course, you can never start. And mm. uh, it's helping a lot of people So uh, and a lot of kids, more importantly. Mm-hmm. So hopefully let's uh, let's get this trend going. Thankfully also I think because of social media the bullying is going down a little That's bit you right. know because people get exposed right away now it's their faces on video yep. and you know, even the bully doesn't like that because now he's painted as the bad person. So let's hope mm-hmm. it continues like
0: that. Yeah. And it's a shame too with social media with the social bu- with the uh the cyberbullying they do only they hide behind a computer and don't really want to talk out things. Yeah. That's the shame of it, you know. So.
1: Ridiculous, you know. think about it, how how weak of a person do you need to be? You know how many people are out there who have a fake personality online Thank because you. they have the cojones to do it themselves, you know. And everybody has a voice now, so everybody mm-hmm. feels important now, you know. And oh, I told that guy. You know, he looks, look look at these people who. Lose a lot of weight. And, uh, oh, what, what was the last thing that I really didn't like? It was Star Wars Princess Celia. Uh-huh. And she's older now. Yeah. And she still looks good. And then the shaming that went on. Oh, she looks like crap. She like, I mean. Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Yeah. And I go, wow. what are, These are people, you know. These are literally people who need to see. who who need to spit anger in order to feel themselves better. It's very sad, but, you know, unfortunately we have a lot of these people walking around nowadays.
0: Boss, Enter the Dragon, that's one of my favorite movies. You know, John Saxton and, you know, Jim Kelly. No one talks about Jim (laughs) Kelly. You know, Black Belt Jones, you know, like... Yeah. <laughs> right. well, well, Mr. Head, man. You know, man. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah here's cool. <laughs> wow, but, <laughs> but just the fight sequences, like how inspirational was that film, to you and and just like all those actors really knew what they were doing as well. They weren't actors with
1: it. Yeah, we 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 never seen anything like it. You know, we, we never saw again the second guy who came on the scene was Jackie Chan. And Jackie yeah. Chan is actually in that movie. He is, but all the guards, when they attack him with sticks, Jackie Chan is one of those guards. Hey, that's something. Yeah, I heard him say that in an interview. He was very happy that he was in a Bruce Lee movie. Yeah. So how cool is that, you know? Wow. Wow. And and just the speed and everything that he, I remember a long time ago, we had only um, uh, VCR. Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. Because I was young, you know? And and there was this one moment when he starts with Ohara, you know? They have to put their hands together, and then Bruce Lee, it looks like he is from here he's hitting a back fist like that right 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 but i, I see him go like brrr, i see his hand move and his head shakes and i go like what does it mean and then it was so fast if you do it with slow motion you actually saw him making a back fist and pulling it back which Ooh. you couldn't catch on camera you yeah can literally only see that on, uh, on when you slow mo it down and i go wow that's great. And then you heard about people who said, yeah, he had to certain things, he had to slow down. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the camera was not able to catch it. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, that was a special guy.
0: Ooh, no, he definitely was. And, remember, and Bolo Young was in that movie, too. I yeah. Bolo, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah. So
1: later back in uh, with the did with the Van Damme, right? Yeah. He was, uh, That's right. Bloodsport. That Bloodsport. Yeah, Bloodsport. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But uh, wow. It but a cool thing. I, I interviewed Blue Lee's daughter one time. Oh, okay. Uh, at her place. Uh-huh. And I was allowed to sit behind Bruce Lee's desk, and she showed me the little secret compartments that are in there. She showed me all these little tiny notebooks, which are like equivalent to do like PDAs right now. Like he wrote everything down in the notebooks, like a thousand sit-ups, a thousand one finger punches, a thousand push-ups. Everything was a thousand for this guy. It was crazy. So I almost stole a book. <laughs> like, that's a really bad thing to do outside. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> but but, <laughs> but I so bad as to have one of those. Oh, man, did you? in the museum.
0: Oh, wow, well, you should have took the phone, your phone and took pictures of pages. Pictures.
1: <laughs> yeah, you don't want that moment. You know, you're there with Chandelier. You want? You don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to make a wrong impression. <laughs> <laughs> so I was as nice as I possibly could.
0: Wow, there was controversy um, once upon a time in Hollywood, there was yeah. controversy how she, she did not like how her father was portrayed in that film. What, what, uh, what was your take on, on how he was portrayed in that film?
1: Yeah, it's a, a, like a little bit of arrogance, right? That's, mm-hmm. uh, he came over like that. But you know, mm-hmm. and, and I don't think he was that kind of guy. And I and even believe, I think when he would be like that, you know, a person at that level, you know, you, you're allowed to have it, arrogance only about your art that's what i always say you know like for instance uh, you need to be a little bit of a cocky guy you know when you're a fighter you need to believe you were like somebody says to me if you and uh, fighter would uh, fight Federer emily you know both at the prime who would win i say me and he go well wow, that was a fast answer i say, i will always say me and he said what do you say i said well because if if i would go to a fight thinking that i might lose that fight I don't think that's a healthy thought for a fighter to have, walking to a fight. I think yeah. you got to be completely, in your mind, at least, you got to say, well, I'm going to win this fight. You mm-hmm. know, and then, of course, it plays out, and then we're going to figure out who the real winner is. But it's just for me to go to a fight thinking, mm, I might lose this fight, I don't think it's a great way. you you got to be completely confident, and then we'll see where the, where the ship ends, so to say. But I just believe that, you know, to, so he's already passed away, Bruce Lee, right? And mm-hmm. There's the fans here. You know, if you put a piece about a person who passed away, you know, I would be nicer. <laughs> you know, it yes. doesn't, you don't need to say that. It won't, won't add something to the movie. It won't take away anything from the movie. It's not going to make the movie. So why would you do that? So I, I completely understand where she came from.
0: Mm, that's right. Wow. We're talking with Boss Wooten on the 16th episode of Where They At. My name is the Bate Owls and, and Boss. now, you know, competing being a, like, what inspired you to compete and be able to make this a living for yourself? Because you're doing a lot of things. You're doing some modeling. You're doing, you were b- doing bouncer work. You know, you, you were like all over, you know? So talk about what really um, was the inspiration for you to be able to compete professionally and make this your passion, your, your job.
1: You know, I was just lucky. You know, it's like uh, I had no direction, like you said. You know, I was, I was teaching now as an instructor, also Thai boxing. I had no ground experience uh as a bouncer i worked you know i did all these little things i'm actually a professional chef uh, uh, culinary chef that's my real profession ah which is weird. yeah it's crazy how that goes you know but I, suddenly i went to a different, different direction i remember in uh, in 92 i got stopped by a uh, chris dolman who who had fighters who had an organization rings and it was an organization that was fighting in japan but you know there were some it was like real fights, but a lot of them were like set-up fights. Kind of knew before what was going to happen. And uh, But they always saw me. I, I did these martial arts shows in Holland on music with sticks and long sticks and short sticks and nunchucks and break tests. I would we'll break concrete. And we do all these crazy things, cigarettes, kick cigarettes out of the mouth. And, you know, with spinning back kicks. We did this high-level, on-music, crazy um, shows. And we started doing it first in... in in nightclubs and in nightclubs we went to big events like a big Thai boxing event and in the break we were the entertainment in the break and then suddenly TV picked us up and then we started doing for Dutch TV then we went to, for uh, European TV we went to Germany I went to, to France I mean we start doing these shows everywhere around the world you know and then at one of these shows Chris Dolman that person mm-hmm. he was there and he saw me come up with backflips and then you know a somersault that's the way how we would walk to our uh, whatever it was in the ring or whatever place it was where we had to do our uh, demonstration. Mm-hmm. And he told me and he said, Hey, boss, I remember you from Thai boxing. I mean, you were knocking everybody out. Now I see you making all these backflips and somersaults. There is this new sport called free fighting. That was the first name they had for it now called mixed martial arts. But at the time he said free fighting and he explained to me what it was. That it was mm-hmm. over in Japan and uh, for and uh, you know, if I wanted, I could come in and train with him. Uh, with his guys, and then maybe wow. go to prepare to make it into a profession. So, you no, know, I did. I went over there. I got my butt handed to me um, because I didn't know any submissions. So, you know, I was the guy who thought he could hold a choke uh-huh. and also the wrong, one. like a blood choke. Yeah, you can act like you can have it, but you know, that's five seconds you're out. Yeah, 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 for sure. Throat, you know, that's just a painful move. And if you don't know the defense in the beginning for it, while well, you think you can hold it, which you can. But it's going to hurt a lot. So that resulted in me not being able to eat food for three days. I had to drink my food. My whole throat was messed up. I slept in my car on the way back, called my wife and said, listen, I'm, I'm going to sleep in the car. I'm completely crushed. And I remember going back, and my wife was laughing. She said, oh, so that's it for you? And I go, no. I said, but, in a, but now in six months, I'm going to tap all these guys in their art. What they did to me, I'm going to do that to them. No, injury here, injury there. And then one day he called me and he said, you got to jump in your car right now. There's two scouts here from Japan for an organization, Pancreas, and they, they're looking for new fighters uh, because they're going to start in September in uh, in Japan, in mm-hmm. Tokyo. So I went over there. I got into a brawl with one of his fighters uh, because they wanted to film us and they just wanted to see technique. And I, you know, so that guy went really hard against me. I go, I, I stopped him. I said, dude, chill out. We don't need to go hard. They just want to see us. Use technique, you know. There's no need to beat each other up. Mm-hmm. And I think that he thought I was afraid because he he turned it up. So I stopped him again, and I go, "I'm okay with this, but it's not <laughs> going to be one-way traffic." You understand that, right? <laughs>
0: that's right, right.
1: <laughs> and then, of course, there was now. It was a fight, but a short one because I high-kicked him full in the head right away. He went down, and he needed a bunch of stitches. I kicked him with a right high kick, so he went down. And I, that's I saw literally. I saw these guys pointing at me, and they said, "We want him." And that was it, September 21st. That's when I was in Japan fighting these crazy people. No, no, I had no clue about the rules. I had no uh, clue about that there were no weight classes, which I found on the day of the fight. Oh. And I'm 45 40, pounds heavier than I am. Yeah. You know, and then, and then when I asked how many rounds are we fighting, the guy goes, one round. I go, yeah. How many minutes? He goes, 30. I go, yeah. Oh. I go, no breaks, no breaks. One 30-minute round. Good luck. Against the guy was thirty pound, uh, thirty two pounds heavier than me. Yeah, I go man, where did I get myself into? You know, but uh-huh. it, the, the stars was me. God was on my side. I knocked him out fast, forty three seconds. Very yep. scary. He went, to, he slipped into a coma for two days. But he, thankfully, he came out. Okay. you know, because that was already the, I was already. I said, listen, if he's not going to come out, this is it. I don't want to do this crap. He was a nice guy. He came wow. to me, you know. So, but so it was very scary for a couple of days. But you know, he came out. Everything was good. And then I went up to my sec- second fight, and suddenly there was a career when I started making money. I remember two thousand dollars. I fought for two thousand bucks all the way back, flying thirteen hours to Japan for th- two thousand <laughs> <laughs> know, bucks. There's a lot of money in Holland because two thousand. We have guilders at the time. We had guilders, not the, the the euros yet.
0: No, the euros, are right?
1: Gilder, we would just spend it to same. So one dollar will be worth two guilders. So when I, I that was four thousand for us, you know, I go, four thousand bucks. You know, so uh-huh, yeah, I'm yeah. all happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> the but it's wow. good. Humble beginnings, right?
0: Yes, indeed. No doubt. And, and it takes humble beginnings to be able to, you know, to really humble you to know where you got to go. And and when you reach that, it makes it sweet, makes your journey sweet. So, boss, I mean, so you were, you were in Pancrase, and you, you were hmm. doing your thing, and you were excelling. You had some tough fights in the beginning, you know. I mean, you fought Ken Shamrock, Frank yep. Shamrock, you know. And, and like you said, you were trying to learn – the rules kind of as you were doing it so with those early losses which weren't many that you only lost four in the beginning of your career and then that was it after that you lose anymore so how were you able to make those adaptations and those adjustments through those fights and and being able to be so great and winning 20 i mean unbeaten streak of 21 in a row that's crazy
1: boss that's that's yeah it's 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 putting your mind where it needs to be put you know it's like for instance, after my th- my that last loss was by way of submission, mm-hmm. and and that was my third loss by submission. The other one was a decision loss, and um, and that's when I realized, okay, listen, I'm either going to learn this ground game, but I had absolutely no interest in, um, or you know, I got to stop. It's one of the two. It's like because I might get lucky one time and knock a guy out, win a title. But then when you defend your title, you're going to lose. Maybe because he takes you down, and will lose by submission. Right. And, you know, I always think as a champion, I think once you have the belt, at least you have to defend it one time. So everybody knows it's not a fluke. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I always thought. So I, um, after the last loss, I got very angry with myself. I needed to fight one person. I became very vocal everywhere I went. Every gym, I asked if somebody wanted to train with me. Mean, understand this. I had to go to Amsterdam to get that training, which is two and a half hours away from my hometown where I come from. So, mm-hmm. you know, and many times, as soon as I started getting better, you know, I, I would walk in the class and like four guys, good guys, would just leave because they didn't want to roll with me. You know, so it was very annoying. I didn't have a lot of time uh, to do that. And I found this one person, Leon van Dijk was his name. And he was 19 years old, very good striker, super strong, like 125 mm-hmm. kilo bang, uh, arm, uh, biceps. Okay. Uh, that's like 270 270 pounds that bizarre. I would have him in an arm bar, he would curl out. That's how strong he was. So, I needed to make everything really perfect in order to. And then, I, I we just started rolling, and suddenly, I just I just fell in love with it. I, I, I became obsessed with it. You know, once you fall in love with something, you start doing it a lot. And once you do it a lot, there's no other way you're going to be better, right? Mm-hmm. Because you love it, you do it a lot. And then, you know, like after my last loss by submission, I won my next eight by way of submission. Uh And that's a whole, everybody goes, whoa, what's going on? Yeah, one of them was submission control, but seven submission victories from the eight and the other one was because of my submission uh, dominance. So, you know, it was my weakness going in and that actually became my strength. I started, I, I actually have 15, what is it? 40 submissions and 11 knockouts for my 28 wins so i have actually more submission victories now than i have knockouts so i went in as a striker and then i became a ground fighter along the way so that was kind of cool wow
0: and, and, and what and what do you prefer striking or grappling what, what do you, you know, prefer uh,
1: it's so well, okay i can tell you one thing if i could choose right now to to still be able to train to roll and strike uh-huh. i was rolling i choose rolling uh uh-huh. because Striking is also, you know, you never really master it. But ground fighting, yeah, there's no way you're going to master it. There's no such thing as you're going to be completed. You know, every single time when you roll on the ground, you you find something new again. You go, oh, wow, this is crazy, man. You know, I logged everything. I start writing things down because you forget. You know. Yeah. And I became, uh, yeah, I really like the combination. That's why what I say to people, to parents. If they say, well, uh, what martial arts do I put my kids on, karate thing, And I say, I will do jiu-jitsu. Because mm-hmm. the combination is really good for the brain development. There is so many. They will see, you know, uh, how you say it, foresight. They're going to have everything from that because they know exactly if I do this, at least to trigger him, do that. And once he does that, I can counter that. It's like almost playing chess. It mm-hmm. really is. You know, so, you know, for a kid, for the brain development, I think it's great. They don't get hit it's only submissions once the kids are doing it they don't they go don't do the chokes they don't do neck cranks they will teach a choke but they won't teach a neck crank because that might hurt somebody they don't mm-hmm. uh, teach you certain leg locks which could be very dangerous for kids right so they leave mm-hmm. it all and they keep it in a, in a, as for kids and mm-hmm. then it really is the best part i, I do that for women for girls Hundred percent, because we're all afraid. They are all afraid of, of course, getting raped, right? Yes. Well, that position actually, having somebody in between your legs, is one of the most dominant positions for a ground fighter. So, like, literally, I right. have more no options being on my back with somebody in between my legs. I have more options than I can do on him than he can do on me. That's right.
0: That's and right. Because that, the ground weapon. gives you that leverage. You get you leverage.
1: You get arm bars. You get chokes. Triangle mm-hmm. chokes. You can do everything from your back. And if a, if, a, if a rapist in, it would attack a woman and he has no clue that she's doing submissions and she plays, oh, I'm sorry, if look, I suddenly does a triangle choke. There, yeah, that's <laughs> if it. Two hundred fifty pounds. You're gonna go to sleep. You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so I love it. I love it for women especially. Yes.
0: Yes, indeed. And that, that's why, like, for me, if I have a daughter, you know, like, definitely, that's. Martial arts like jiu-jitsu, like that, quick. Our our ladies need to learn how to defend themselves and everything, and and it also brings empowerment. I mean, you have three daughters, you know, like yep. like talk about that empowerment of you. Tra- did you ever tra-
1: did you train your daughters just to show them how to defend themselves? I would wish, you know, but you know, if as a, as a parent, if you want to try them to learn something, of course, it's always I, I should have said whatever you do, never do martial arts. I just used to reverse. <laughs> you know because then of course they want to do it because i say no uh, but uh, i would love it uh they both know it i yeah, can take him on the focus bits actually my youngest daughter's really, she she will be really good actually yeah yeah, yeah. She, she's a crazy athlete like mm-hmm. every sport i always brought her or picked her up from like whether it's handball volleyball whatever every single there's no exception that the trainer comes to me and they go like that's your daughter yeah whoa i go i know that's crazy right i mean she had apps when she was four you wow. know, Then I want to know the splits. I go, well, you have to do this and this. Like eight days later, she sends me a picture doing the splits against the wall. You mm-hmm. know, like, I mean, it's just, she has all the gifts, but somehow she doesn't want to use them. And I, oh, I go, honey, please. Let me do that, you know. Okay. Let's bring it on a Rousey. They're
0: under, huh? <laughs> right, right.
1: <laughs> well, no
0: doubt. And and and, wow. and I wanted to ask you, it's so funny. Was the most bizarre fight? Because I, I was trying to find the tape of this fight, but I couldn't. But it was with, with you and Renee Roos. You oh, know, and, yeah, and that was great. Cr- and then a whole brawl happened. I was trying to, I wanted to see it, but I couldn't find it. How was that still the most bizarre fight you involved in? Like, it was because he hit you, um, he he bit you like just some Mike Tyson type of stuff, and then oh, yeah, no, and he went hard,
1: so he, he was known to uh to be a dirty fighter, you know? Mm-hmm. And, he, and actually, he's a friend of mine. So I, I can't say that. <laughs> it's not like I hang out with him, but we're very cool now. You right. know, we, we know each other. Oh, we're, now. We're, now you're cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I walked into we, Because he was with his Hell's Angels, so we're the friends in Holland. He brought him, and I brought all my bouncer friends. Uh-huh. And I remember after that fight, I'm going through the fight a little bit, but after that fight, like a couple of months later, I was doing something with him. We went to Amsterdam. I walk in the bar, and all the Hell's Angels sat there, and it got all quiet. <laughs> everybody's looking. I go, what? And he goes, now, first of all, you try, try to slaughter each other in the ring. And now you're, you're hanging out as buddies. <laughs> that uh, was funny to see. So what happened was...
0: And it's just they, like Tyson oh, and Holyfield. They're cool oh, now.
1: They're best friends. He, he pulled a, <laughs> a straight hole through my ear. Which in the wow. beginning, nobody knew. So I, knocked, uh, I, I drilled him the first round. And in mm-hmm. the second round, he came. And right away, he started clinching because I started hitting him again. Mm-hmm. And he started clinching, And he started biting my ear. And I'm, I'm shouting at him. I said, let go. Let go. And I'm shouting one more time, and then you see my leg go all the way back, and I knee him in the, in the balls as hard as I could. Uh-huh. Right? So he went down, and just before I wanted to hit him, give him a punch in the face also, a referee takes me, pulls me off, and now the whole audience starts fighting. So all my bouncers friends from the south of Holland fighting all the guys from the north of Holland, you know, from Amsterdam. Oh, boy. And there's a big ball going on, and I remember this is the funniest part. They had these plastic chairs, and somebody threw a chair to me, but it landed on the back of my trainer, and if somehow I'm standing in the middle of the ring and it lands behind me on four legs, <coughs> and I, you see me look around, so there's a video, I've seen it. We, uh, I'm looking around and I realize the chair, so I'm sitting in the chair. So now I'm sitting in the chair with, in the middle of the ring and everybody's fighting. It's hilarious when you see that. Oh. And then finally the referee came to me and said, why would you do that? he's screaming at me. I go, dude, he bit my ear. And he says, what? And then he looked at my ear and he goes, he bit straight through it, boss. It was a clean hole in the air. Then he grabbed the microphone, and he started talking to the audience. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. It's not his fault. It's actually that guy's fault. He bit a hole. we see it now. There's a hole in his ear. So then everything calmed down again, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it, it was okay. But that was, that, was, that was craziness. Let me tell you that. Oh, yeah.
0: my God. Wow. Well, here on the 16th episode of Where They At with the great Boss Wooten, one of the great combat fighters in the history of combat sports and and he's former UFC heavyweight champion also UFC Hall of Famer UFC Hall of Famer after two fights in UFC and yeah, now yeah. you had that win streak I mean it was just just clockwork you know you continued to, to really make a name for yourself and yeah. do you, now you ended up going to UFC now tell tell the audience how the process uh, for you to make the transition to the octagon went. and do you regret not fighting like now because you would have you would have been a major superstar you know and with your skill set you would have been dominating now like do you feel like uh right well, place wrong time
1: everything you know like listen I'm, I'm a big believer you know i think god put this in my way at the certain time like, people will ask me this question more you know because you can make much more money now you get and, and i understand that mm-hmm. but you have to also understand in 2000 years from now every champion is just a champion well it's great that they're champions but I'm, I'm I'm inducted into the UFC of Fame in the, in the pioneer section. This mm-hmm. is a section that can only grow so much. Like, you got like 70 guys, 70 or something, who started in the beginning. Mm-hmm. That's it. All right. these thousands of champions are going to come. Cool. And I love it. But, you know, I can literally say if they go back into history books, they say, wow, he was there from the beginning. He actually started fighting in Japan. Before the UFC had their first event, it was in September, and the UFC first event was November 93. Uh-huh. Before, September already. So, and a lot of these guys that fought in my organization, my organization, the organization where I was fighting for, mm-hmm. I think from that organization, seven of them became UFC champions. So, that organization was just a breeding ground for champions. Everybody came out of there pretty much. You know? So, uh, it was, uh, it's something that they'll never take away. It's time, you know, I I'm, I can say I fought no 30-minute uh, fights with no weight classes. You know, it's all kind of cool stuff that you can now say, and you were there from the beginning. So my, I'm in the history books, and I, uh, I kind of enjoy that, and, and, and especially because after I stopped fighting, you know, I was already preparing myself. So mm. people go, like, man, you did a great job in the movies. And I go, yeah, but you don't know that when I came in 97 here, I still had to fight for the UFC. I still had five or four fights in Japan. But mm-hmm. it a, within three weeks, I start taking acting classes. Because yeah. I knew eventually I want to do something in acting, whether it's a stunt guy or whatever it is, you know. But, you know, let's be prepared. That's the only thing I said, you know? Mm-hmm. So I start. Getting into acting, you know, start learning, and then meeting guys like Holt McCallany, you know.
0: Who, I was just about to ask, how did you guys meet? Because that's how we met, you and I, and that's our that's our guy. Shout out to Holt McCallany. Yeah, well, yeah, tell, I know you got to finish your answer, but after that, tell, tell the audience how y'all met.
1: <laughs> well, well, I'm, I'm completely stoked about that. I all the way back that I have it, and because I have a great career right now, I'm doing a lot. I do commentating, you know. I'm mm-hmm. music. I, I get some inventions, and we talked about it at the beginning. But you know, and and, and guys like Holt McKellon, you mean? Now Holt McKellon, a lot of people now probably know him from the series Mindhunter mm-hmm. on Netflix, you know, yes. uh, one of the Bill Stanch, that's the guy he plays, one of the two leads there. That's right. And Holt is a, is, is a good friend for both of us. We actually yes. met when Holt was singing for his mother's birthday, 90th birthday in Paris. That's how and, we met. Uh, yeah. That's how we met. And, and you know, and my, my daughters were like, I mean, we we'll, we'll never going to see Holt sing again. You yes. know, that's probably his one-time thing. And he's a great singer too. And uh, they said, you got, we got to go. And I told my wife, yeah, we got to go there. We got, we got to see this life. It's going to be great. So mm-hmm. it was so cool to be there. And i meeting you guys as well. And, but hold, I met him in, I think it was already in 89, wow. 98, sorry, 98. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see, I'm Dutch and I'm still doing that. Uh, <laughs> everything above, t- we, we say four and 20, you say 24. Right. Words, say four right. And, 20. and it still messes with the Dutch people, man. Wow. It's Wow. Really and yeah. with
0: dates, too. You put the month second. Oh, and the yeah, day yeah. first and the month yeah. second.
1: Yeah. yeah. We're 24th of February. 224 is here. Yeah, there's first the day and then the month. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. Anyway, <laughs> I'm, uh, he's doing the show Freedom for um, Joel Silver.
0: Oh, yeah. Very good producer back yeah. in the day. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: And it was one guy with the lead actor. They didn't like the lead actor. And then suddenly they, they called Holt and they said, hey, we want you to replace that guy. Because they only made a pilot. And then if you could come in. So Holt needed to come in. And his character was a military guy. and needed to have martial arts skills. Mm-hmm. So he got through uh, Ethan Milius, the the son from John Milius, the, 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 the director. Oh, yeah. From Conan, and from Sonia. You oh, know? that's right. Yep, yep. He said, hey, why do I get good classes? And Ethan was at the time also teaching at the Beverly Hills Jiu-Jitsu Club. And I came in 97 here. So a year before I met Holt also teaching at the Beverly Hills jiu Club in, well, the name says it, Beverly Hills. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he said, you gotta go to Boss, you know, Boss is crazy, you know, and, and I bet you he can do these fight scenes as well because he already saw footage of me with those crazy shows I was talking about. I was on music, we did all these crazy shows. So I met Holt and uh, yeah, instantly clicked right away. And, uh, and, and that was it. We, we spent seven or eight months in Vancouver and he's like one of those guys. I've never, I've been every day with him on the set. I've never seen him mess up a line. Yeah. Ever. Never. Never. Mm-hmm. And this yes. guy would be only because the writing was not super good. Mm-hmm. And all these actors, they start realizing, wait a minute, because Holt starts changing his lines. And, and of course, asking if that was okay. And then right. these people, you yeah, know, it's better now. It's better now. So then some of these actors thought, hey, man, listen, I don't like it. So Holt starts re- writing dialogue, start changing dialogue for, for more actors on the show. And this wow. is all the time while he's doing his own thing. And while we're partying at night, never messed up a line. Never. I mean, it's insane. His memory, he's, uh, you know, it's so, so, annoying because I go to, if I have an audition, I go to Holtz, so if he's here, I go to him, and, uh, you know, and I arrive there and I give him the script. Let's say it's five pages of script, which mm. I've been hammering in my head since day, yesterday, right? Yeah. Go, yeah. No. He's literally, <laughs> you know, he reads it and then he throws the script away. He's got it. You know, and I go, wow. how is that even possible? Yeah, it's so annoying, but uh, you know, that's his gift. He says, Boss, I've been doing that since I was 12 years old. Wow. you know, it's just how your brain works. And, and you know, that actually put me th- this is, I, I have these old routines and, 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 and things that I do. Like, for the more I, every day, I memorize a passage, you know, and in the beginning, it took me a long time, but they're right, you do this every day. I mean, I'm cutting it now at least in half or less than that time. Just mm-hmm. because I'm simply doing it every single day. You just wow. you read more. You read more out loud. If you have to do prompter work, you know, just you see me passages reading out loud the whole time. And people go like, why is she doing that? You know, and I go, because if I have to read a prompter, you know, because people go, oh, you simply read from a prompter. But you and I both know that's not really doesn't work like that. Because yeah. if you never read it, you don't know where it stops, where it's going to be. a come out. There's no You know how to start, you know, and you have to do that on the spot. You know, it's better to be prepared. And if you mm-hmm. just do it every day, you're reading out loud. You know, I looked at uh, Mauro Ranello. I don't know if you know me. He's oh, buddy. yeah.
0: Showtime. Showtime. Yeah. yeah, the play-by-play. Yep, for boxing.
1: Yep. And I, I, Well, I put him in the business. I put him in, in because I did a movie. Oh, this is so funny. This uh-huh. was in Vancouver. He and I, we doing this really bad movie, like the Z movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And they wanted us to do a f- talk about a fight scene, but that wasn't filmed yet. And they later uh-huh. on, it would build a fight scene around our commentating. I go, dude, that's never going to happen. That's never going to work. But hey, if you pay me for it, I'll do it. I don't, I don't mind it. And Mauro, same thing. I had a script and I'm hammering in the script. He comes in six pages, reads it twice, three times, throws the script away, says, let's do it. I go, are you serious? You got this? Wow. So I go to page number three and I give him a line and he answers back. And I go, whoa, dude. And he had that great voice, and I go, dude, give me your, give me your address and your your, your number because maybe I'm working for Pride Fighting Championships. as was the commentator. You never know if something happens. They need somebody, right? Mm-hmm. And then four years later, oh, actually, I wasn't at Pride yet at that time because this was in '98. You see, uh, that uh, Pride started wow. in two thousand. Commentating started in two thousand. Okay. And uh, so I, uh, but then once I was in Pride, they did uh, fire the commentator. And do you know anybody? I said, I hope his number still works. There you go. And I left him a message, and he just came out of the crazy house because he's bipolar. Yeah. He, they, they made a show that did a special on him. I don't know. That's if right.
0: You know. Oh, I haven't I haven't seen it but 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 I remember he's talked about mental health and very advocate for that. Yep.
1: Oh yeah. No, he's he's a no really great person, man. A really great person. Yes and, indeed. And I you know, and I told him, I said, listen, if I ever have a chance, I'm gonna get you into something. And I remember getting him to, to Japan. Um, he said in the tape, he immediately got it, and I told him there, I said, You're gonna be the best commentator, the number one list. Yes. This year or the next year. He had only a few more months, and, and that year he was already the number one player play guy. And I said, yeah. I told you. And every year he would call me, would cry, thank you, boss, you know, on New Year's. <laughs> and then wow. I go, go Mauro, if you would have sucked, you know, you are the reason. I said, no, no, I'm not the reason. You are the reason. Because you would have sucked. I could have never done it. I just saw a talent that needed to be out. And then when the, uh, the opportunity presented himself, you know, and I could put him in the business. Yeah, now everybody knows how good he is. This guy does everything.
0: Yeah. He does yeah.
1: uh, He did pride. He does bellator. He does Uh, boxing, Showtime boxing, you do the WWE. Yeah. I mean, he does everything and his memory, you, yeah, you gotta see it to believe it. Also, same thing, camera goes on, never screws up. Yes. That's always on, 100%.
0: That's right. Wow. And, that, and, that, and that's, and that's professionalism right there. True professionalism for yeah. sure. You know, and that's what we all aspire to and, and uh, wow, boss Rooten on the 16th episode of where they at legendary combat sports fighter, UFC hall of famer, UFC champion and, and boss, how tough was it to have to retire, you know, with all the injuries and, and how, how, how did you manage that?
1: You know, it's very hard to, you know, um, because I was still going strong.
0: Uh, yeah. did, <laughs> so yeah. I, you, you won know, 20, you, uh, 21, a fight on Beaton Street, yeah, yeah. you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, I just just plucked through everybody. So it was really nice. And then, uh, you know, the injuries. But, you know, I think, again, everything is for a reason. Uh, I know myself. I know that if I would have kept fighting, eventually you're going to lose to these young guys 100% because they're half your age and they can keep pushing. And they started training. When you were 30 years old, they already were—they uh, were eight or ten years old and already started. So eventually, you're going to lose. Mm. So now, the good thing about this is that I, you know, yeah, I have the to, 22 to fight unbeaten streak. You know, I think if I would have kept going, and I see a lot of guys my age, my peers, who kept fighting, and they start really tarnishing their uh, records, you know, and I go, it's oh, such a shame, you know, because now you look back on him, and then you see the last ten fights he lost or something. It's such a shame. You were such a great athlete. You know, and you were still a great athlete. It's just, you know, time will do destructive things to everybody, you know, and especially a yeah. fighter when you need all your reflexes and, and, and ability to recoup and all that stuff. So I, I'm happy with it uh, that it happened like this. Now I'm happy. But at that time, it's very hard because I'm in the peak of my career. You know, you're used to certain, um, to certain highs, right? Because mm-hmm. knocking somebody out in front of 50,000 people. Let me tell you, that's, that's a really good feeling or choking them out or doing something that's like, you know, so you try to, that's, that's the problem for a lot of athletes. They, you, they find a replacement for it. And most of the time, that's drugs or alcohol, right?
0: Yeah, right.
1: You can't do it this way anymore, you know. Or you start doing other things. So, I had a little, uh, a little rocky relationship with that, you know. Then I, with alcohol, uh, yeah. thankfully, I realized that. And then in 2006, that's when I actually took one more fight. I said yes after seven years not competing uh, because I was heavy drinking, and I figured my injuries it felt like they were gone. And I, but I just told my wife, I said, first of all, the pay is going to be good. Second of all, you know, it's going to force me to stop drinking mm-hmm. because I, there's no way I can drink and train, you know. And that's, then, right. and that's what happened. So I took the fight. Uh, all the injuries came back, though. Uh, I, it was okay. I stopped them in the first round, but it was. But it stopped me from drinking. That's from that moment on, you know. That that was actually gone. But the problem was, because all my injuries came back, it started with two simple Norcos, and it became four, and it becomes six, and it became ten, and twelve, and boom, and now it's OxyContin, and suddenly you're taking eight, nine, ten, 80 milligrams of OxyContin a day, uh, which is insane, because apparently my doctor said, your liver is just freaking unbelievable. It recognizes something, and then, you know, you every time you need more, because it, 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 it knows the substances, it filters it faster now." And that's why I had to change actually to OxyContin because they say the Tylenol into all these other pills is going to ruin your stomach. So this was all in doctor's orders. But, you know, then I realized, I remember going, I had a flight coming back from Ohio, I believe. No, no, what was it? Yeah, let's say it's Ohio. Boston, Boston, it was Boston. And uh, and I had a five-hour delay with the flight. And I was just timed all my pills. And I knew that in my car I had a few pills just for this particular situation, if I would run out and at least have like two of them there, you know, because, and uh, and that's when I found out I'm I'm a junkie, oh, well, not a junkie and addict. A junkie steals money for his drugs, <laughs> right? <laughs> so that junkie and an addict is somebody who, well, actually works and, and never bothers anybody with their uh, addiction. Mm-hmm. And, but that's mm-hmm. when I was on the plane, and literally shaking and goosebumps, and like I had to have very happy the flu, you know, and, and that's when I got in the car and I took the pills, and it oh. went away, and I go. I came home, I told my wife, I said, I think I'm addicted now. I think I need to stop this. So then I stopped that. And you do that by using um, it, it's like also like a methadone. Methadone, they use that for heroin, right? Yeah, that's right. Right. Everybody knows that. But Oxycontin is pharmaceutical heroin. It's, pretty, it's exactly the same. Now, Basically. The, the the poor man's version is. Uh, that stuff, but the, the rich man version is the Suboxone. So, methadone is what they do with heroin junkies or uh, addicts, and then uh, the Suboxone is what they do you can get from the doctor. It's like something a pill you have to put it on your tongue or whatever they have it in form what it's and, uh, Damn. Yeah, it's horrible stuff, but it, it, it calms it down. So, the good thing about that is you don't have to take more. Like pain pills, you have to take more and more and more to get the same effect, right. crushes you. So, once I stopped that, got Suboxone, and the doctor told me, Oh, you can stay on this, it's still a little bit good for the pain. What I didn't know is that that stuff, you have to stop it in 10 days. And they didn't, I was on it for three and a half years. That stuff, Google about that for people who come back out of that. Like, you, it's way worse to come back off of that than OxyContin This It's much harder. Uh, my testosterone level, I was just laughing about it. It was five. And people wow. go, 500? No, one, two, three, four, five. The doctors, the two doctors at one table, he's looking, He said, you have a five. I've never even seen Women have 80 or 60. Uh He says, guys, when they go below 100, they they can't work anymore. They can't function anymore. You're running running around a five. We've never seen anything like it. So that's when I realized, again, i got to stop that crap. And that took me 11 days, which the doctor said they've never seen anybody who do it in 11 days. Apparently, it was super fast. But Mm -hmm. I went through the ringer, man. But I, I, you know, focused. Every, all the power that I had for my fighting, I tried to just do that and that. On a treadmill every day, you feel uh, – you have no – just Google about it. See what people feel. I mean, you, it's like you're 500 pounds. It's like the gravity pulls you in the ground. And I'm on the treadmill just incline walking and, you know, and, and, and try and amino acids and amino acids. A lot of water, a lot of water. And then slowly, I mean, suddenly my shades everywhere because my senses became so sensitive because the crap stopped getting out of my system. Well. and it's all the way in your bones so you have to get out and once it started getting out like my hearing, my eyes, it was so wild and then man, it, it's such a new world I hope every person who's listening and who's doing Suboxone, I'm telling you, you have a new world opening for you once you stop that crap. Double vision I had all day long, my heart rate was like in the morning when I woke up in bed it was like 86 my blood <sighs> was through the rough Falling asleep behind the wheel during the day all the time. have to hit myself in the face. I mean, it was a whole list nice. of bad things. There was none of the good things. And once I stopped that, everything came back to normal. That changed my life. So I really hope that people who are, have an addiction, who go to suboxone. So first of all, if you go to Suboxo, you use it 10 days. That's it. And then get off of it. It's really good to do it like that. But if you stay too long on it, that stuff is the worst. I'm telling you. Very scary.
0: Wow, boss. <laughs> yeah. That's that is scary. That's deep, man. And 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 that's the thing. And that's why, like, the, 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 a price to competing. You know, like you said, having to go back. That that kind of opened up hell when you went back seven years later, and won by a TKO, by the way. You yeah. know, and stuff. So, but yeah. but that's deep. How the price of competing, like, it's And what is it like now for today's fighter today's combat sports athlete you know and and dealing with with all these painkillers and all these these substances like is it just as bad now or even worse
1: yeah well yeah, it's it's, it is as bad but you know good thing is like for instance i get tested positive for my last fight the people go oh sure you use steroids i said no read what i tested positive for it was literally it was a norco which I brought, I had all my medication on the list. I gave it to the athletic commission. This is what I'm taking right now. I brought it with me so they mm-hmm. could see it, you know, but apparently it was on the list. But now, Norco was on the list, same as marijuana is on the list. It's not helping you. It could actually work against you because it slows your mind down. And since the athletic commission is there for the safety of the fighters, well, if you function less, that's also not legal. You see what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, when I told them I use, I'm using this, I took it this morning. I told them at 10 o'clock because the fight is at night. Uh, they said, you have 12 hours to stay in your system. I didn't want it in my system when I'm competing, of course, because mm-hmm. it might slow me down. So that's why I said I took it this morning at 10 o'clock, but I just brought it. So you know what I took. And then I tested positive for uh, Tylenol PM. Oh. <laughs> are you serious? I go, are you serious? Yeah, but apparently I took like the like the Excedrin, something like a cough syrup also with uh-huh. the PM. I go, and that's illegal? And he goes, yeah, if you would have just do the Tylenol, although the PM thing, then it wouldn't be good. I said, this is the weirdest thing. Yeah, that's actually legal right now. But that was what I tested positive for. So when people say, oh, you wow. tested positive, I said, please look first. Because everybody jumps to performance enhancing drugs when you test yeah. positive. Oh, you did the They said, no, I never did that crap. You know, so, so that's, and, and, and they cannot use that anymore. So that's the good part. Mm-hmm. bad part mm-hmm. is everybody needs to fight, right? And everybody needs money, you know? And if you don't have three, four fights a year, well, and, and you're a, a, like a, like between top, I, not even the top 10. I think not even the top 10 are millionaires. There's a bunch of them, the first ones, but, right. you know, there's, but not what people think it is. You know, if you're fighting on a main card, it's Bellator or the UFC. Some guys, they fight for 15 and 15,000. Or for twenty and twenty thousand, that mm. means twenty thousand to show. And then if you win, you get another twenty thousand. But if you lose, you don't get the twenty thousand. Let's break down twenty thousand dollars. Twenty thousand dollars, the taxes go down. You got a ten percent to your trade, ten percent for that's twenty percent gone, right? Yeah. Okay, Eight thousand dollars. Now you got to, you got to train that for two months. Good luck. You have to train your spying partners. You, I mean, all the stuff. Now the taxes are going to come. Sure, you can write off a lot of things. But twenty thousand dollars is nothing. Compare when you fight. You're going to keep four in your pocket, you know, uh, after all the – my last fight with all the injuries, I uh-huh. spent $25,000 just rehabbing while I'm training, constant rehabbing, rehabbing. Re- I was in such a bad shape, but I could not – I needed the money now. I already was $25,000 in the hole. If I wouldn't fight, then my opponent tested positive three days before for steroids, chemo Leopoldo. He was originally my first opponent. And he tested positive. I go, oh, Lord, if, he, if I cannot fight now, Wow. I don't have any money. You know, yes. this is not, I, I didn't have a job. I was doing seminars everywhere. $25,000 in the hole. I needed the money, which was a good, it was 225000 which for me was my biggest payday I ever had. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thankfully they found, you know, all the guys that said, oh, if they get, if, if the opponent falls out, I'll fight him. Well, all these guys who said that, we all contacted them, but suddenly when the pressure was on, they didn't want to fight You know, so thankfully we all found one guy, he was 265 pounds, you know, he just came off a victory against Don Fry, so that was good, Mm -hmm. Uh, and Don calling me, and he said, hey, listen, just know he's very hard to knock out, because I hit him with everything, and the guy didn't even flinch, I said, okay, what my game plan is going to be, I'm going to knock him out, but I had a rip out, so so I couldn't really talk, I said, Mm -hmm. so I'm going to hit him a few hard times, if he doesn't flinch, I'm going to give him low kicks, and if he doesn't go down so, with low kicks, I'm going to take him down and I'm going to submit him. The submit him, yeah. A B and C, and then first I hit him and I hit him with some good shots, mm-hmm. and he was just flinching at me. I remember it was, we were talking. He was talking to me. First he said, um, "I go boom," and he goes, "Wow, you're fast." I go, "Oh, thank you." You know, and so I to continue again, and suddenly I hit him full with a straight right, and he flies back and he says, "Oh, when you hit hard," I go, "Well, not hard enough. You're still standing, right?" <laughs> so we're having a little bit of a laugh there. And I go, like, you know what? I'm not going to waste any more energy. So as soon as he came walking to me, I gave him a low kick. And I think my third low kick was when he wasn't flexing his uh, thigh. So what happened was I kicked him, and I felt with my shin touching his thigh bone. Uh I literally felt click, like my shin. So like the muscles, it felt like the muscles were not in between there. And I knew immediately I go, I won. I knew right away. And right away he started limping. Immediately he started living, and I gave him one more kick, and then he fell to the ground. Yeah, but that was a low kick because that was a, it was a big dude. It was 265 pounds, uh-huh. so I just chopped his legs down, and then yeah, suddenly they can't walk anymore. That's and right. in the fight. So that's right. Yeah, it was uh, it was cool, but uh, that's where the whole painkiller addiction started from that last fight. <sighs> Wow. At least I didn't drink
0: anymore, so. <laughs> <laughs> right exactly <right. laughs> and you and you conquered you conquered all you know all those addictions, just like you conquered your opponents, you know that that's what it is, and you made yeah. like you did yeah. right in your career,
1: you know if you win the last one, you won, that's what I say yes. you know like like if if now I get addicted to something and start doing it again you he you, you wins again, you know, but if I can now stay sober stay all that stuff and i'm drinking i'm i drink a beer here and there you know but i'm just don't don't want to get drunk anymore uh, because you know that's that's when craziness starts happening all the time. And bills, pay bills. I can even look at these things. It is so horrible. I I, I don't have. I don't understand that the actually the government is selling this stuff. That's how bad that stuff is. heroin. It's synthetic heroin. It's exactly the same.
0: Man, oh man. And and there's yeah. a lot of now you know a lot of uh, news pieces on it and documentaries on this now. This oxycodone. It's it's crazy. It's crazy for sure. Well, wow. here we're boss on the 16th episode of where they at my name is nabate alas now boss mma of when you were fighting over 20 years ago versus the mma of now like what what's your take has the sport really progressed like not just with visibility but skill sets
1: oh yeah these guys are really super skilled like i i was the guy who realized early on that stamina is everything Mm-hmm. Stamina, and then you need to do at least two hours. Now, since it's very hard for in Holland to find a wrestling gym, you have maybe four in the entire country. Uh-huh. I never knew one. I knew there was one in Amsterdam, but that's about it. Uh-huh. You see, it's wrestling. So we don't have that here like in schools. Mm-hmm. Wrestling is, that's the best Have to have always. It's either a really good wrestler a striker or a really good wrestler a ground fighter. Mm-hmm. I decided, okay, well, I'm going to be a great striker. If somebody takes me down, I'm just going to submit them on the floor. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to be really good on the ground as well. Mm-hmm. Nowadays... Yeah, and, and that, the, with, so with me, I was always covered. And I was yeah. always covered stamina-wise as well. Mm-hmm. And that was in my time, that was a big deal because all the other guys didn't focus it. They were focused on bench pressing and, and, and looking good. And I go, mm, you're not going to bench press in the fight, man. You're gonna That's have right. To you're going to be slower. You're going to be slower in your punches. So, you know? But not only that, you know, if you, let, let's say, how many days a week you do it? You five workouts. That's mm-hmm. 20 workouts a month. You don't think that if there's 20 workouts, you actually fight you're going to become a much better fighter. That's yes. 20 hours extra that yes. you're wasting on stupid weights. You know, mm-hmm. do what you need to do. And, uh, but now, now it's a science, you know. Now they know everything. Uh, so now every fighter is great on the ground, great wrestling, great striking. Sure, you have guys who are still excelling at certain things mm-hmm. and who rather don't go to the ground. But if they go there, it's not a problem, but mm-hmm. they just have to knock you out on the feet, you know. So yeah. but that, choice, that choice they can make now because of the great skills that they have that he can stop a takedown. Or, for instance, Damian Maya. This is a guy, I mean, I don't know how old he is right now, but, I mean, he's still fighting, and he tells the whole world, I just want to show that you still can win by using solely jiu-jitsu. And, dude, nice. he's doing it. He's freaking doing it. I love guys like that, you know? Solely jiu-jitsu, and he's still winning fights. So, yeah, that's a special human being as well. But for the rest, all these guys, like, They're so well conditioned now in shape. And the and the weight classes are so important. In my time, you could get away with it because you fight a big guy. Well, he was going to be slow. He's not going to have stamina. Mm -hmm. He's going to be very strong. But it means and and you know many of these guys use steroids, you know, so they're very strong for about three minutes, and that's when the steroids start pumping all the muscles up, including the core muscles. And then Mm -hmm. suddenly when you see a really strong guy load like this, boom, most (laughs) of the time that's steroids, because that's why they get suddenly they hit a they hit a the wall. Wow. And uh, so you only have to survive it for like four or five minutes and then you're going to look really good because they're much bigger than you, you know, <laughs> and you around them. So yeah, nowadays that, that's, that's gone. Everybody, yeah. now you fight a guy who's 265 who probably cut down from 285. So on the day of the fight, is probably 280 again or 275. Black belt jiu a really good wrestler, good striker, good technique. Yeah, mm-hmm. good luck. So Then being 200 pounds and fighting a guy like that, that's just not a smart thing to do. That's the only thing I don't get in martial arts yet. Uh, mm-hmm. Now I think um, there is no after 205, it's uh, it's heavyweight. Yeah. There's no it's from 205 to 265. Think about that. That is. Sick. That, that's a big gap. Why don't they do a cruiserweight? You know, like yeah. 235 to 30. 230, you know, because then mm-hmm. you can beat more champions also. But imagine you're a guy. And same with, in boxing.
0: In boxing, same thing. The this cruise cruiserweight and then heavy, and then you that have that difference.
1: Because if you're a guy who cannot imagine you're like 225 pounds, and there's no way you can get 205 you're going to be screwed. Because mm-hmm. imagine you're 215, you're trying to cut down. Now you can't find a guy who cuts down to 265. That's a right. 60 50 pounds difference. And on the day of the fight, probably 70 pounds difference. A guy who has technique and stamina, no, mm-hmm. that's a problem. You know. So weight does matter. Especially now because everybody knows the game. Mm. That's the, everybody's good. D, D. Number 30 guys, they'll be the crap out of everybody. So you go, oh, he's the number 30 guy. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> 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 I, I can't go, even go as far as top 100, I think. On the first 100 fighters in every weight class, mm-hmm. I think they will destroy everything. Like person on the street will have no chance. That's a profession, guys. People always go like, oh, so one in a – no, that, there's a hundred people in the seven billion people who do that. Think about that.
0: That's yeah. At the highest level, the, highest, the highest level.
1: Highest level. You have no chance. Those guys are animals.
0: Wow. And, and boss, now I wanted to ask you now, you know, Dana White and UFC, they're still, still having events coming up and everything. And with this COVID situation, obviously be, there won't be crowds and, and it will most likely be at the UFC Headquarters, I believe, but but what what is your take on his approach to keep look to keep these fights going,
1: and is 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 it wise for him to do that? I think I think you know I think it is for him uh, and for the fighters. I think that's why he did it. Sure, they want to also make money, but I think if you have, I don't know how many people they have on the payroll on on the fights, but all these fighters cannot fight right now. You know, it's going to be very hard. So for him to say, okay, let's take the six eight million dollar gateway. We'll, we'll take it. We'll eat it. And we only go on pay-per-view, you know. So that at least the fighters can still make money. Now, the problem with the fighters is you need a team where you know 100% that nobody's infected, of course. Because if you're like two weeks before the fight, you've been training for eight weeks, and now a guy walks into the gym, you know, uh, who has the virus, and he can, and, and well, you're training really hard, so everything is a little down, right, mm-hmm. uh, your your resistance against those kind of viruses, they're down, they pick up the flu easy, you see this many times, fighters get the flu or something, days before, because they're cutting weight, you're dehydrating mm-hmm. yourself from water, the most important ingredient in your body, yep. and you're just trying to push it out, it's very dangerous, so if they would fight at are I would really enjoy that, but I can understand with title fights that's not possible, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you need to have just trading partners that you can 100% guarantee on. So, like, if you have a group of trading partners, those guys need to be staying home as well. They cannot go outside. They cannot do anything because if one of them gets sick, you're going to be screwed. So, I think for Dana White, is a very good thing to do um, because I truly believe he does it so the fighters still can make money. and And, and you know, everybody's home. I would love to see him fight right now. It's going to look weird with no people in the audience, but at least they do everything in their power, you know, to keep it safe. And at yes. least they can make money. And now I hear they're looking into, you heard that, right? And it's true. He's looking into an island. Did you read yeah. about Yeah,
0: Yeah, that's one. Yeah, that's what I would ask you too. Wow, yeah. he, he's making those, those deep. He has those deep pockets like that?
1: <laughs> Think about this. Nobody, that's their island. Their rules. Mm-hmm. Nobody can ever stop him anymore. You see yeah. what I mean? So now whatever happens, there's no athletic commission that cannot can shut you down. COVID-19, we don't have it on our island. We got our own island. Don't worry about it. We don't let anybody in. Done. Yeah. I mean, it's gonna kind of just like almost like be on the Indian reservation. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's why why all the bare knuckle boxing. That's all on the Indian reservations because oh yeah in the uh, uh, Wyoming, that, that's also, it's legal in Wyoming. I think there's another state, but that's about it. Two states legal, but the rest on Indian reservations, that's where mm-hmm. people go to right now. So, yeah, I think it's a smart idea, you know, because uh, yeah, for the fighters, it's good for the fighters if they keep on fighting, making money.
0: Mm. Money goes out fast. Yeah, right. And, and why hasn't boxing adapted uh, some of the organization, organizational and infrastructure tactics of of Dana White and UFC and and Bellator, even Bellator, like like there's a, there's a commission, there's 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 organization, there's structure. Why isn't boxing followed that?
1: Yeah, no. Well, boxing is trying to do that also, but it's just right now I think mixed martial arts is a more uh, don't 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 think this is my idea, but I, I think it, it's more people like to watch uh, MMA. Uh, the thing is with MMA, if you go to an MMA show. Again, it's a great listing. It's called also. If people are... Um, if you go to a mixed martial arts event, and let's say on the main card, there's six fights. Pretty much all these six fights are going to be great fights. Yep. At a boxing event, many times you have, the main fight is going to be great, but the uh, other ones could be, you know. Now, thankfully, I think that boxing is really making a revamp with Lomachenko and all these guys, and the heavyweight division is really good right now. Yes. And who doesn't like... Uh, freaking our, uh, our gypsy, right? I
0: mean, <laughs> Tyson
1: <he's so> awesome. <laughs> Tyson I love him. And uh, the way he's talking, and then you get uh, Anthony uh, Joshua. Joshua. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, this, this is great. Things are happening now again uh, in boxing, and I love watching boxing, but I think overall, I think you see more excitement in MMA than, than in boxing in general. And don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, because of every boxing show, there's always great fights. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just thinking that over MMA people want to, you know. Th- in the beginning, it was always about who's the toughest guy on the planet, right? Yep. That was always. And the heavyweight boxer was always the toughest guy on the planet. That has changed now. So if a heavyweight boxer says, for instance, yeah, I'm the best fighter on the planet, well, the mixed martial arts is going to go, nah, you're not. You're the best boxer on the planet, mm-hmm. not fighter. Mixed martial arts is fighting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because mixed martial if you, if you go, if you have to fight on the street with only boxing skills, and you have, I use Mike Tyson because he's the, the hardest puncher I ever met and I've uh, see, uh, seen, mm-hmm. if he yeah. fights a good uh, wrestler, he better connect. Because if he doesn't connect with the one punch that he throws, he will That's be right. taken down, he'll be on his back, and now his game is gone. Mm-hmm. So if you're a mixed martial artist, well, he took you down, but you still have a lot of tools in your belt. You can still go for submissions. You can go for reversals. You can even hit him for the back elbows. You can do a lot of things. Yeah. You know? That's why I'm saying. If you're just a ground fighter, you'll also have a problem. You're a great ground fighter. You're not the best fighter on the planet. The best fighter is the mixed martial artist who can literally – street. that's street fighting. Everything is allowed. You, know? you can wrestle. You can box. You can elbow. You can bite. Whatever you can do. Well, biting is not allowed to mix martial arts, but it's a very easy thing to do. The more skills you have, the better you will be as a street fighter. So that's what I believe. And that might have taken a little bit of fire away from from the boxers, you know? And don't get me wrong, I'm mm-hmm. still the no one of a boxer type, tie type boxer with Mike Tyson, even at his age. I mean, I just saw a video, I showed it yesterday to somebody. He was doing, uh, showing some techniques. Google that on YouTube, say... Uh, uh, Mike Tyson is showing techniques in the coffee place just- oh yeah
0: with the, with some young kids and he was doing yeah. that
1: yeah those, those body shots yeah. very scary man and the footwork just oh, oh the, and the speed <laughs> that he still has it's, uh-huh. uh, it's very scary that man but you know there's a lot of scary uh, guys out there right now so yeah. and in boxing also so yes, that's what I, love. I love boxing, but I need to see exciting boxing. Like, But Lobochenko suddenly came. You know, mm. you go like, what the heck is this? That's a whole different level now. The footwork, the moving around, the amounts yeah. of punching, soft punches with hard punches and mixing that up in a certain way. So you always, you always triggers their opponent to make mistakes. That is, mm. that's the next level of stuff. You know, I, think- I love to see that.
0: I think Loma, though, Loma, um, he needs to get some big money fights soon because I think he he's still at a high level. He's still top three pound for pound, in my opinion, because to me, Canelo's number one pound for pound to yeah. me because Canelo fought everybody. But Canelo, uh, uh, Lomachenko, TC, Terrence Crawford, they're the top. Yeah, but do you see Lomachenko maybe slowing down a little bit? Because remember, he had 300 amateur fights, and and he's had not tough fights in the pros, but – He's had to, to get up for those fights in the training yeah. regimen. Do you think he, he needs to get big money fights fast?
1: He, yeah, no, I, 100% with you. Yeah, because, you know, he, he fought too much, you know. Once, once you fight too much, then it's, uh, it becomes too normal. And I don't think that's good with fighting. I think there needs to be a little bit of an unnerving thing to it, you know. Not nerves. I don't – well, nerves I mean, but not like I'm afraid, not that. I'm talking mm-hmm. about keeping you simply on your toes. I think control nerves are really good to have. I think thinking it's gonna to be too easy, it's a very dumb thing to do. That's when you start losing. You know, that's when you say, oh, I know this already. No, you never know it. You know, you never master it. You always have to look to be better and better and better. So him having over 300, what I think even 365 is right, the amateurs. Yes. I mean, bizarre uh, number. So yeah, that's a lot. If you start breaking that down, how many, uh, once a week, just think about that. Yeah. That's, that's his years. <laughs> so, right. Every single week. You see? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. He, he needs big money fights and I think he, he deserves it. But he needs to fight right away the big guys.
0: John Jones but, is blowing it, right? He's blowing it, you know?
1: It's like, you, it's, it's now the point that you almost can't defend him anymore, you know? It's like, why would you do this every time? It's such a shame. I've been holding him hand above his head all the time. And I go, there's a lot of stuff that he has to work with. He was the youngest champion. All that money. Everything is going... But you is your man now. You know, you got to man up, you know, and uh, get back. And, okay, the COVID-19 is there. You maybe you didn't want to take an Uber. Then don't go out. You want to be drunk. Do it at home. What is the problem with doing it at home? Why do you need to go out, you know, risking other people's lives, you know, by, by driving around? It's just not a cool thing. And it's such a shame when you see somebody with so much talent because him, well, pound for pound, I mean, we have to admit, right, he's got to be one of the best guys ever. Yeah. Um, he can do anything. And, and I love when I see a guy like that, but I would also love to see him to behave as a champion. Outside mm-hmm. the ring as well. Inspire kids. Inspire other people. Do something good with it. And listen, I'm not, I'm not about judging at all. I'm the, there's no way I can judge because I've been the worst myself. Craziness, drinking, I did all that. Stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you one thing, if I would have been in this situation that big, I'll let somebody drive me. If I want to go somewhere else, I simply don't go. You know, all the bad stuff that you want to do, do it at home. Knife-safe environment. You don't bother anybody with it. Nothing can go wrong. No fights can happen. Not the police. Nothing can happen. You mm. just do it at your home. You know, what is wrong with that? It's just such a shame that he doesn't see that. And
0: you know? and and he didn't look good against Santos and Reyes, to be honest. Like, he, I, I think he's slipping.
1: And no, no, you are. You're right. Uh, Reyes, that's... That freaking guy is a talent. I mean,
0: he, he is very much.
1: Yes, of years ago he was fighting with my guys as an amateur. Mm. Look at this guy. I mean, he steamrolled through everything, and look how he was moving against Jones. We could say that he might have won that fight, right? Right. Uh, that whole rule—that's the dumbest rule, I think. For you have to, in order to take it from the champion, you really have to beat him. It should be the other way around. Yes, the champion should manhandle that person. And if the other person is manhandling him, the champion should lose. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. But don't, you know, like you have to really do extra damage to a champion. to No, it should be exactly the other way around. So Reyes, we're going to hear a lot from him. I think I see a, a big and bright future for him. That's but you know, right. all these guys, I mean, look at it, it's Sohudo. I mean, how did he suddenly, Henry Cejudo, got, uh-huh. you know, with the wrestling gold medalist. And then he's got the hands. He was already a Golden Glove boxer. What a freaking talent. Adesanya. I mean, all, all these guys. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. And then at Bellator, they have really great fighters as well. You know, Michael Page, I always talk about him. I like mm-hmm. the way he moves and he just stands still and does all this crazy acrobatics. And then, you know, somebody comes in, he jumps up, flying knee, boom, fights over. You and then, oh, that might be, he got lucky one time. Yeah, he did it like 50 times in a row now. I mean, dude, (laughs) he's doing it every single time, you know? I love that. But I see guys like that who just do it, whatever they want to do. That's cool stuff. That's like total, being totally in, in control.
0: Well, and, and I wanted to ask you about Khabib. Why did he go? Why did he leave San Jose to go to Russia? I mean, the fight was coming up with Tony Ferguson. What? And then he come on. You go to another country. You're risking the fact, especially during a pandemic, that they were gonna probably lock the country down. Does Tony Ferguson have a legit gripe with uh with Khabib leaving?
1: Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. For sure. But you know, listen we sh- we can learn things about those guys how they respect their families we should as americans or actually the rest of the world we should learn about that mm-hmm. you know they really want to be with their moms and dads and everybody you know it's one big so when like mcgregor when he started attacking his family i go no do it no <laughs> oh. do it it's like the worst thing you can do you have to understand i i give this example i talked to a guy who was a military guy and he worked with an, uh, a guy from Dagestan. He was also in the military. Mm-hmm. And that guy, he said he fought so many fights. Like, it was every day he was in a fight. And everybody was afraid of him. And, it, and then one time, they, he had to come again. And they, they didn't know what to do with him. And then one colonel, colonel or whatever it was, a high-up guy, says, mm-hmm. I'll talk to him. Don't worry. Let me do the work. And the guy comes in. It was just, all oh, big, tough guy, Dagestan, badass, you know, beats everybody up. And he, and the guy goes, the colonel goes, uh Okay, we're going to call your parents now. And he goes, No, no, please don't call my parents. He broke completely. <laughs> that, their parents are everything for them. You know, yes, they are. Yes. So when you offend one of their parents, I go, Dude, that is like the worst thing that you can do. Right. So, with Habib, knowing that he loves his family, what do you think he wants to be with this pandemic? He wants to be with his mom and they want to make sure everybody is safe, right. you know, and, and, and be there with the family. So I can 100% care. I believe it. Uh, I can understand that he's there. I have absolutely no problem with that i uh you know th- these are the- I wanted to go to my uh, mom and dad because my mom's getting older now she's Parkinson she's not slow down, oh. and I really wanted to go in uh, in March the early the first week of March, and even my mother said no because i'm so afraid now you know because we live in Holland. you know or they live in Holland. I live here. Mm. I mean we just moved. You know the grandkids. They don't see the grandkids so many times. It str- it struggles me. I'm—I'm I'm really struggling with that fact because I'm always thinking, what if my kids will do that? You know, just move out of state. Then already I'm not going to see the grandkids. It's hard, you know. So I'm really struggling with that, and I wanna—I wanted to go. My mom says, no, you're not going to come. You know, what if something happens? You know, and she's right. What if I catch it on the way and I give it to them? You know, that might happen as well. So now I'm going to have to wait till it's over. But I'm just scared, man. I'm just uh, worried about those things.
0: Yeah, so I can I understand Habib. Wow, well now Habib and Tony, now Tony Ferguson—he's my favorite fighter. Like I'm not—I wasn't really a UFC guy until last year, so I've been following now. Tony yeah. Ferguson. When you think you got him, you don't. Yeah. You know, like do you? I, I, I thought I think he would be Khabib personally. Do Do you think that that it could be a, a good a victorious uh, venture for, for Tony Ferguson?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think again, can, of course. And, and the reason is that um, Tony's stamina is just, nobody has that. He, he brings stamina to a whole different level, you know? And he fights the best, very best fighters on the planet. And they might be technical and everything better than him. Yeah, for a round and a half. And, and, and you're not going to catch him because he can take a shot. He can escape pretty much any submission. It's very hard to, to control, but he can keep on pushing. So you yeah. can have all the, everything in the world, what you want, all the technique. But it's, it's like a Ferrari without the gas, right? That's what I always refer to. Yep. It's a nice car, but there's no gas in there. It's not going to drive. It's the same in fighting. Right. You know, right. if the guy keeps on pushing, 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 pushing the whole time, and you just go into the championship rounds, like number four or five, they're going to break. I, I think that uh, Habib is, is, is so good uh, at home. He works circles around everybody. I think it's very hard to find sparring partners for him, or here mm-hmm. even, that can really put the pressure on him. Or he's gonna do Shark Tank all the time. You know, that's what I needed to do all the time. I like four guys, one and a half minutes each, six minutes rounds, and then, you know, constantly, and that's how you get a new guy every one and a half minutes. Because mm-hmm. then they keep the pressure coming, so you, you know, you're really slowing down. And that's stuff that Khabib needs to do, because Ferguson's got that. He's just gonna keep on pushing. And with uh, Khabib, I think that against McGregor already, you. He was a little bit slowing down and looked to me, you know, that uh, he was still going great strong. But, you know, I always look at how can he go the next round and the round after that. And, Uh you know, it's hard to find a guy who keeps on pushing, keeps on pushing, who doesn't slow down. It takes something away mentally and and heart-wise also. Because you give it everything you got. And then once you're getting tired, he turns it up. It's not a fun thing, man. I've been in that situation <laughs> <laughs> on the receiving end. You know? <laughs> and they get tired and they see it and they turn it off. You go, oh, yeah. Oh, we <laughs> oh, wow. Well,
0: do you think, I mean, could Ferguson and McGregor meet each other eventually?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, they, they will. It depends all over the. Moment. Listen, if, if Ferguson's going to win, uh, this fight, it's, 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 not, it's off now, right? Uh, yeah. That, when they came up the island, the uh, whole island idea, so that never can happen again. But yeah, I think if that happened it will be a big money fight because that Ferguson will be the name that everybody screams about and McGregor, well, McGregor is the biggest name. You know, yeah. he's, uh, he makes a lot of people a lot of money right now, including himself. And I love it, man. A guy like that coming up from nothing you know, and then talking and talking and every time being different. He's like Ali. You know, Ali had that, you know, great interviews. I will say this in interviews. Like, for me, I, I would have this rehearsed little thing, but every interview, they would ask me a question about my opponent, and I would say the same thing because, you know, it's so easy. McGregor, yeah. every interview, he says something different. It's constantly changing. You know, it's not rehearsed, it just comes out, you know, and I, uh, I love that. He put MMA on the map. I oh, mean, my mother knows him. <laughs> Basketball, you see, but that yeah. means you're doing a good job. I love it. Uh, oh
0: man, at Boston the funniest press conference I've ever seen was him and Nate Diaz throwing the water bottles at each other. I was dying. That's, that's what we mean about what Ma- McGregor does the visibility he brings yep. <laughs> to MMA.
1: <laughs> well, he's doing everything right. You know, he made a few mistakes along the way, you know, but you can tell when you, you know, with, with, the, with the incidents that happened outside. Mm-hmm. What he you learn from them? You can tell, you know? Yeah. And he was really, you could see how hurt he was with the last thing, with the, with the guy that he hit at the bar. Mm-hmm. You know? So an interview yeah. with him, and he, he really, yeah, he got to me. I go like, wow, that's good. That was really heartfelt. It came out. He was so disgusted with himself. I think that's, I hope, but I think it is, will be the last bad thing that we're going to hear from him. I think he will, uh, he will keep his head on the good, uh, on the good note now
0: good good and then he's getting older too so you get wiser too as you get older um now the ladies there are three ladies that are just killing is is wang Valentina, and amanda nunez like she's the creme de la creme like will any of those three fight each other
1: like because they're just a weight class apart yes it would be great you know to like a catch weight maybe Mm -hmm. and see if that could happen that it will be great. Yeah, I like Nunes a lot. You know, I remember I I I, uh, I sponsored her when she came all the way back. I think it was Strike Force. She's all the way back. The first fight that she had, she actually has a rooted flag uh, uh-huh. on her hands. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I saw it. Somebody sent me the the footage of her training, and I go, "Whoa, what an animal!" You know. So right. I, she knows.
0: Fight. She knows greatness. She knows greatness.
1: <laughs> oh, she's uh, she's she's badass. I really uh, Enjoy, especially with the cyborg, you know, who would have expected that, right? Um, cyborg. If you see cyborg going, going to pipettes or focus mitts, uh-huh. <laughs> a lot of guys Cojones will shrink when they see that. They go, like, <laughs> "Oh, God. it's it's violence." Oh. You know, I love it. Yeah, she's a, she's an animal. So for Nunes to do that, yes, yeah, very intimidating. Very intimidating. Most underrated
0: fighter in any discipline. The fighter that. Did not get the recognition Or isn't getting the recognition He, d- he or she deserves
1: uh, That's a hard one <laughs> You know that uh, uh, What's um, Alexander Emelianenko He was the brother from Fedor if Okay Tell me that's his brother would beat him up in training, and we always thought it was a joke, but then when you see him fight, I go, like, if that guy will be on the, on the straight and narrow, you know, like, always making sure because he's got some trouble outside also with the law. Yeah. But that, that could be, yeah, that could be an animal as well. And, uh, and, and I really like that guy also. He's, uh, because he's also he's so serious, but somehow every time when I saw him, he started doing these funny things, and he showed footwork with a laugh and a smile, and, uh, yeah, I always uh, enjoyed him. It's a, I, I think that he will be a complete animal if he had only one focus, mixed martial arts.
0: Wow. Now, your toughest opponent in your career.
1: My toughest opponent, I would say it was, uh, I, yeah, I, I would say Funaki Mazukatsu. The only reason I'm saying that is because he beat me my first fight, and the second fight, I was a whole different animal. Now I have my skills. Mm-hmm. And, and somehow he decided to come before the fight to do this to me like in front of me two feet away and he got me like i'm looking at my manager uh, because i never had a coach so I, my manager with me and i go i'm gonna kill him now and he goes uh you gotta stay calm i say, don't worry i'll stay calm But we'll watch once i nail him he's gonna i going to just i'm gonna go to town mm-hmm. and and i did you know uh, I, once I dropped him, then I just went to town on him. But I went so hard to town. If you see the fight, once it starts, it's uh, it's complete violence. It keeps on coming, and, and but he gets keeps back getting back up. So I would knock him down, he's on the ground, and I think it's over, and then the whole audience goes, Fu Naki, Fu Naki, and he starts moving, and he gets back up, and he's wiping his blood off, and, yeah, to the audience, and he comes again. I drop him again, boom, and oh yeah, Fu Naki. And I go, shut up! Because <laughs> I started getting tired. I dropped him four times. Four times. With the last one, literally grabbing him by the hair, and I just kneed him in the face as hard as I could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, he couldn't get up from that because that was I, – I, if he would have got up, I would have run out of the ring because that was, that was such a – I remember both my – I have the tattoos on my hands. But like yeah. here, that was this color, my palms, mm-hmm. because you had to hit with palm strikes. And right. my knees, they were bruised. From kneeing him in the face, I broke both his cheekbones, his nose was flat on his face, and he just kept going. It was like the freaking Terminator every time he got up. So, when they asked me what is it, that's probably my most, uh, the fight I like the most. Mm -hmm. And I heard from him, they say that it's for him as well, because the amount of heart that he showed in that. That's right. It was insane, like constantly getting back. I got goosebumps now thinking about it. I mean, constantly he got back up, and I had to drop him again. So yeah, that was fight that was dear to my heart because wow. I lost to him, especially the first time. And I wanted to set the center record straight. But of nice. course, Randallman. I mean, he was a freak, you know, all heart and power. You know, that was a great fight. But uh, yeah, this guy, I was dashing out so much, and he just kept coming back.
0: Ooh, it's kinda like kinda like Sugar Ray Robinson, Jake LaMotta you know, yeah. the, the Valentine's Day Massacre. You know, he couldn't yeah. get like in Raging Bull
1: in the movie Raging Bull, you can't, yeah. can't knock me out, Ray. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy, but, some people are that. You know, you have that in, a, in, in mixed martial arts, you have some of these guys, but you already see it, they start slowing down, mm-hmm. you know, because they get too much punishment. They say, Oh no, I want to do it. It's exciting for the fighters. They say, No, be excited for your kids when they grow up. So you can yeah. still speak to them. Learn some head movement, dude. Why would you take yeah. that? Oh, want to be exciting. It's exciting, too, when you just knock them out without getting hit. What about that? You know, <laughs> That's what I always said. Oh, so you don't like to get hit? I say, I don't care getting hit. But why would I want to get hit if I can avoid it? You know, why yeah. would I? This is the dumbest thing on the planet. So I just try to use some hat movement and great defense. You know, yeah. but, uh, yeah. But I have the utmost respect for those guys. Only when they say that they do it because they want to be exciting, then I say you're a moron. Mm-hmm. You got to change your style because you know, eventually, once they get knocked out, and so all of them, once they get knocked out from that moment on, it's almost like the brain is telling them, oh, you can not get knocked out. And that's when they start losing more by knockout. Mm-hmm. You know, it happens with pretty much every fighter except, and that's what I always say, the K1 guys, which are now the glory fighters, the kickboxers. Mm-hmm. Those guys, mm-hmm. I mean, they get knocked out. And a heavy knockout, and then the next uh, two months later, they come back and they win a whole tournament again. I don't know how they do it, because you won't see that in boxing. It's very hard to find anywhere. Normally, when a, big, when a guy, like Mike Tyson, always win, 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 and then boom, after the first knockout, then everybody realizes, wait a minute, he's human. And then yes. he realizes he's human, and that does something to the whole structure. Suddenly, they start losing more by knockout, you see? Wow. And that counts for pretty much any martial arts, somehow those K-1, which are now the glory guys, yeah. they don't have that. They just come back and they beat you up again. It's just, so when you see the records, they've been knocked out like eight times, but they're still four-time K-1 champion. You go, how is that even possible? Because they're really tough guys. They got right. the heart. They got everything. Yeah, utmost respect. That's such a hard sport too. It's much harder than MMA, you know, because it's wow. punching and kicking and the shins and your knees and your feet and the ankles and every everything that you don't want to hit get hurt. We'll get hurt. Trust me. You know. Yeah. And, yeah. And, so and constantly, every single day, like with us, my hand is hurting. Oh, let's grapple today, or oh, let uh-huh. wrestle today, or oh, let's do this today. They can't. They're gonna have to strike every single time. You know. So yeah, I am I'm very impressed with those guys.
0: Wow. Now you're an actor. You know, you've been doing a lot of you it, we, on uh, Paul Bart Marcop. You know <laughs> the the yeah. um, Kevin James. You know movie that you worked with. And which film star would you want to work with?
1: oh the rock i mean i mean who doesn't want to work with the freaking rock man that was i just i'm just i'm just mesmerized by him yeah I think he's such a cool guy you know this is so cool and you know me because for me, you know, and I've seen a lot of good things and cool things. I had one time somebody, and, and I made a screenshot of it. That was the first time I said, I'm going to make a screenshot him because this is cool. You know, that was like, okay, this is pretty cool. So somebody wrote, and he tagged me to it and The Rock, and he said, hey, who would win between you uh, guys, uh, boss? W- would you beat him up or not? And I go, so please don't ask me this question because I love this guy. I don't even want to fight him. And then The Rock responded also, and he said, I love you back, boss. I also like uh, love my teeth to remain into my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> he knows. He like, knows. I got a screenshot of that one. That's a cool <laughs> moment. That was a cool moment for me. So wow. the last time also, actually, he did something. Because I have these T-shirts, I say, it's only pain, it won't hurt, you know? <laughs> it's an expression that I always use, and they make uh-huh. T-shirts out of it now, like uh, Roots of Fight, they have really badass shirts. They get Ali, yeah. Tyson, Bruce Lee, I mean, you name wow. it, all these people. And I'm in one of their collections, so for me, that's super cool that I'm in a collection, but he was training at early in the morning, and it was a hashtag that said, it's only pain, it won't hurt. And I go, oh, it's cool, but then he attached me to it as well. So I nice. thought that was uh, cool. So I know he knows me. Uh, I know his stunt double, his, uh, that's, which is the cousin Tanoi is a really great guy. Okay. Uh, he used to live here, but he's now back in Hawaii. Uh, okay. We did a bunch of barbecues with him. Yeah, that's always been a guy, like I said, I'll get out. That, you know, because every, I'm, I'm mesmerized with his talent. With, and, you know, when, was it the movie, was with John Travolta, right, all the way back where he played the Gage? Uh, uh, that was all, it's not Get Shorty. Oh, was, uh, 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 Be Cool, right? Was it Be, be cool? cool? No, Be Cool, yeah, right, right. Be cool. Mm-hmm. you know and that was such a smart move and then after that he did gridiron Yeah, gridiron I,
0: gang yep yeah
1: that was his first like lead i get goosebumps now i go well, that was really good acting already you know and then a walking tall and as the movie started coming and i go man he's, he's a really great actor as well so it's not only the the physical part he has down he has everything now the showtime show that he has series yeah I mean, oh and how does he do it yeah. How, how many movies does he do? And every single day, he works out like two, three, four hours. I mean, he's a machine, you know. That work I, I ethic. Look for people like that, man. They commit to an, uh, to an, uh, a regime, and mm-hmm. just never break it. I'll do it. I'll do it too in a way lighter version than him. You know, like every morning, I'm up early. The first hour and a half, two hours, it's all me, me. Well, it's also forgotten. You know, it's like all the things that I do for myself: meditation every single day, and I've did it for years now. I cannot do it without it anymore you know mm-hmm. but he has that with the working out and with everything and then he has to memorize scripts and yeah i don't know how he does it but it looks almost like it's uh they're twins that's probably we're going to find out he's a twin brother you know he has one and they all have been acting that it's only one guy something like that's going to come <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's right his doppelganger his or or, yeah, or or his it, ai you
1: know <laughs> that's everything Oh, no. He still has time for people visiting and doing these cool videos for people who get bullied or whatever. He always finds time for his friends as well, you know. It's, uh, that's why I really like the guy. He's just a, a good human being, you can tell.
0: Amazing. Yes, indeed. Now, I wanted to ask you, dead or alive, who's the fighter you would want to compete against, dead or alive?
1: Oh. <sighs> Yeah, and then, okay, then then it doesn't matter and then we shoot uh, all, uh, and we were both at the same age, you know, like so, we were both the same age somehow, I don't know, uh, it's hard, you know what I always wanted, and, and it's always been misunderstood, it was Hicks and Gracie, oh, uh, yeah. because I've seen him on, on his documentaries and his ta- the tapes and the choke that, the, 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 I believe it was a, a a piece that they did on him. Mm-hmm. and uh, uh, unbelievable, unbelievable ground fighter. Like yeah. something I'd never Ooh. seen before. That's how good he was. Mm-hmm. And my thing, the only way I wanted to fight him to see if I could hang with him on the ground. ground. That was yeah. the only reason. But then everybody started taking out of context and I didn't like him and you know and then uh, he came to a Pancras event one time and when I realized he was there and after I knocked out my opponent I, of course I grabbed the microphone and said, Hey, I hear you here. We I, I would like to fight you, any rules, any time you know but it was it was always done out of respect. Respect. Never done yeah. out of being. Hey, are you a hole No, I just wanted to see if I could hang with him on the ground because he's so phenomenal. Yeah. so that was the only thing. I, I met him in in uh, China a long time ago, uh, like six years ago, and then uh, at the breakfast, and suddenly he walks up to me, and everybody was being quiet, and he goes, "Hey, man, how are you doing?" I said, "I'm doing great. I'm so happy that you at least know." He says, "No, I always knew that. Don't worry about it." Say, "Okay, good." Because uh, you know that's how people start talking, and then suddenly it becomes reality. While it's not reality, right. it's really weird how that goes. Yeah, yeah,
0: no, that that is weird. Now, now, Fury or Joshua? Who will win that fight?
1: Both is cool because uh, uh, both fought the Russians, right? Uh, uh, let's go, let's classical.
0: go. Yeah, uh, Vladimir. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Joshua, uh, Vladimir. Um, that was the You know, both of them, but Vladimir, is such a technical boxes is so great and everything, but something was about me that I don't know. I, it's like he played it always safe, mm-hmm. you know. And something I didn't like about him. And let me tell you, man, that fight against Joshua, I got I got one hundred percent for uh, Klitschko now for Floyd. That yes. was that was so badass at that age. Yes, indeed. And getting knocked down, and coming back, and then knocking down Joshua, Joshua yep, <laughs> Dude, I love that, and he, he gets all the respect, that I didn't have as much, which is stupid, because he's a phenomenal boxer, but it's just like, it got full, but I have that with people, the son of some fights, and I'm not going to mention the name, but there are some people who playing it safe, that have a God-given talent, and I think if you have a God-given talent, you should not play it safe, you yes you should not only go to decisions or only do, you should get use what god gave you and take that chance because mm-hmm. if you open yourself yeah there's a reason there's a chance you get get hit but you get so much more fans and people loving you you know because if you have the gift man use it so i think with joshua i i'm just going to throw wild and this is stupid for me to say but i think uh i think the gypsy is going to get it Mm, really okay. So I think he's going to keep him away. He's one of those guys that you know went through the ringer. You know, and unfortunately, in this uh, uh, in, in in the UK they don't like him somehow, right? Yeah, a big of him. And yeah. I go, man, he should live here in America. We love people like that, man. Mm-hmm. He's also bipolar. He has a good connection with ronello actually because they both know from each other. Yeah. And and, and the, what I like about him is the way you know if he decides to sing a song for his wife. He just does that in the middle of the ring. grabs The yeah. microphone, I love you only. He starts singing a song. <laughs> and nobody can take the big microphone away. I That's love right. that, man. I love that. That's There's right. that guy. Yeah, he went up and he just cocaine. And he did that. Who did it, man? Come on. Yeah. yeah you know We all had this. And then he balloons up. And then he comes all the way back. And now he's in that great shape. He's in the great headspace. Yes. I think he's going to be very hard to beat. It's- I truly believe that Tyson Fury is going to be doing uh, really good. And especially with also with Joshua. Losing one time, right? Mm-hmm.
0: That's right. To Ruiz, Andy Ruiz, yep.
1: Yep. So uh yeah, that he has that in his mind. I and and, and uh, Fury doesn't have that yet. He's never mm. been knocked out, right? No, no, he's yeah. that lost.
0: Yeah, he's never yeah, that's right cuz he never lost his title. Never lost, you know, he lost because he was stripped because of inactivity. That's why he lost it. But wow, and, and one more question for you, mm-hmm. boss. Like, what's what's the interest that you have? Like 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 hobby or bizarre interest that you have something that's that's strange that that people don't know about.
1: You know, I just got it uh, my my buddy Scott Voss is a really good bow hunter. And he mm. sent his old bow, like this compound bow, badass, like a freaking professional thing. <laughs> um, and I'm loving that. And apparently it's, it's going really well. But I, even when I when the, fixed the bow, I put some new uh, cables on it and everything. Uh-huh. I was shooting in the, in the place there. And the guy looks at me and says, how much did you shoot? I said, oh, this is the first time I'm doing it. He goes, are you serious? I said, no. He goes, you should do competition. And I go, maybe it's a thing they say to everybody, you know, when they come in. Because they buy something there, so I didn't know. But then I came home, and I started hitting the targets, man. Like, everything, clink, clink, clink. I go, wow, oh, this actually, it feels really good. So, I'm, I'm having shots. I mean, at 45, 50 yards, I shoot everything in this circle. You know, with the, and it's also cool because I have a really bad arm. You know, I had four-neck surgery, so I lost a lot of power in this arm. It's wow. all you can, you can see it. There's a whole dent here. Wow. Like, I literally, wow. I can't pull the bow. Uh, so, but a bow, I don't know if people know how to, I didn't know, so now I will explain it. You don't yeah. pull with your fingers, not a compound bow, because it's too much pull. So yeah. what it is, there's a little click thing that goes on the line, click, and you have literally a, like a trigger, like a gun. And that right. thing is attached to your wrist. So yeah. on your wrist, you have this thing hanging that you click on, uh, on a little loop. And this is how you pull it open. So you don't do it with your fingers, and then you just go, boop, like a trigger, you pull it. But oh. I didn't have the power to pull this back. So I look at my friend, and the first time I go, like, oh, you know, wait a minute, I can do this different. So I grab the back of my head, and I push the bow away. Uh-huh. And he goes, dude, how did you come up with that? I said, well, I use that in, 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 in mixed martial arts, also in submission game. Uh-huh. So I went to the bow place, and I, I did this. They go, oh, dude, can we film this? Because wow. a lot of people, when I posted it on my Instagram, they said, I can't pull it, and now I'm able to do it. I said, Are "You serious? You guys been doing this for years, and nobody came up with doing this, like grabbing the back of your head, so you push the bow away instead of pulling the bow to you. Uh-huh. you know? that's the most logic thing. And even at the bow place, they were like, "Wow, we want to film this. This is crazy. I've never seen anything." I got <laughs> just a day in the office. That's what you see. That's what submissions do for you. Yes, that's how I came up with it. This is the things that I used to do in submissions as well, grabbing my own head to do certain moves. Uh-huh. so it came back with the bow so i'm, I'm really enjoying that right now that's deep wow no. yeah, it calms me down and i really <laughs> want to start hunting i don't know if the i'm one of those guys man i, I think for me it's, it's easier to kill a person <laughs> than to kill a poor little animal right it depends <laughs> on what person, the person is, is yeah. a person actually deserves yeah. it you know like like it does something <laughs> like, if I was no, like just wait. I, I
0: didn't mean to say that, every you know. I don't want people. Uh, no, anyway. <laughs> bad people.
1: Of course, it's bad people. They don't understand that. But you know, if I if I would shoot a deer, and then suddenly I see the partner walking, while I just shot it. I go, oh, oh I just this is the partner, you know, it will wreck me. It will wreck me. But uh, oh you no, know, I got a man up, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to do it. And as long as I shoot really well, then they have no pain, right? Mm-hmm. It, it can never be as bad as we eating cows. But if, you know, yeah. I saw some videos and we all see that one time coming by on how they get treated to the slaughterhouse, that is not cool. You know, I think a, a more humane or whatever you call it, an animal like death is actually a straight shot through the heart, right? Because they have no pain. But that is, yeah, that's very hard. That one to, would like to, you want to like become a, a vegetarian. That's why my daughter is a vegan. Because oh. of those videos. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't, uh, she's not okay with that, which I can understand.
0: MMA. When will it be an Olympic sport?
1: Well, and what is it, 70? 70 countries, I believe, need to have it, right? I think there's mm-hmm. a number like that, 70 or 76, mm. a really weird number of okay. countries that have, need to have mixed uh, martial shots in, their, in the country, and then they can become an Olympic sport. So that's probably going to take a little bit uh, because it's not in as many countries. I just talked to a guy from India wants to be the next UFC champion, I said, well, what do I do? I said, well, you're going to, have to start training. Yeah, we don't have a gym here. I go, it's going to be very hard for you to to UFC <laughs> champion, if you don't even have a gym there, you know? Unless, you, you
0: know. unless he wrestles bears or something. Something <laughs> like that. Well, uh,
1: Khabib, right? Khabib, yeah. That guy wrestled a bear when he was like 12 or something. Crazy. Yeah, um, yeah it's... Uh, I don't know. It, it, it's going to take a while. I, I said, when in ninety, I think in 93 or 94, I said, this is going to be back in the Olympics. In four years from now, I said, it's going to be the biggest thing on the planet. So, I predicted 97 or 98. So, I was way off. I was about, what is, eight years off because 2006 is when the UFC put it on the map with the Ultimate Fighter on mm-hmm. Spike TV. That actually launched Spike. Yeah. made Spike TV big as well. That's right. And, and that's right. That's when it became the gold. You know, so I was right many years later, and, and I still hope it's going to be Olympic sport. I think that if you do mixed martial arts, no, there's no way headgear can be used, you right. know, all that stuff. So maybe that could be a problem in the, in the Olympics because they want safety, 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 not realizing that sometimes putting all that gear on is actually more unsafe for you exactly. than it is safe.
0: exactly no you're right about that well and and having that gear because that gear could be tight around you you know tight around your head and stuff like that and also you know in boxing that's the problem that's why you have ring deaths because there's too much heart and and also people can't really tell if a boxer is extremely hurt that's the thing in mma you can tap out and that's it and it's
1: done you know so weight cutting also weight cutting is really dangerous uh, so you, you drain all the fluids. You, you also drain your brain fluids. You know, that gets away as well. And they're there for a reason. There, those are the airbags, so to say, the water bags in your brain, right? To to catch the brain, make sure. But if you start dehydrating that, now it starts bouncing back in the, into the brain. Boxing also, like, like I said, MMA, you can roll today. You can wrestle today and you can do a little bit of striking that day. Boxing, it's only... Punching at the head and the body which 90% goes to the head at least 90% probably 95% every day two times a day Yeah, Yeah. that's that's where brain damage comes from and then you start cutting your weight and dehydrating and then in the fight You get hit with no brain fluids in there or less brain fluids. Yeah, now it's like flying around That's that's why boxing way more people die in boxing than in mixed martial arts Because it's only to the head that's why yeah. also in, fi- in, in MMA, it's, it's much safer. People don't realize that there is no eight count in MMA. You know, that means if you get dazed, well, on the, on the street, you would to get annihilated at that moment. So yeah. they're going to stop the fight. In boxing, no. Let's give him a little bit of rest so he can recoup, and then he can come out and get some more. You know? Yeah, but boss, sometimes a guy like that comes back and he knocks his opponent out. Yeah, no, that happens. I can understand. It's great. Love it. But still very dangerous. You cannot say that it's not dangerous. Your body wants to quit, right? Because that's yeah. why you're getting busy. Quit. That's what I say. You know, not give them like 10, 15, 20 seconds because the eight count is never an eight count. It's always more, right? Mm-hmm. And now they can come out, back out and they're going to get hit again. So I don't think that's a safe thing. In mixed martial arts, there have been moments that a uh, guy is on top of him. and He's punching, 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 punching. And then before even penetrating or connecting, the referee will pull him off because they know eventually – He's going to hit him. He's going to get knocked out, and they just want there for the protection of the fighter, for the safety of the fighter. So they stop it earlier. Karen's good. Karen's doing well. Karen's good. Yeah. It's doing all the things by that long training device that I invented. It's going strong now, especially now that people start realizing, well, uh, it's good for your lungs, you know. So it, it's curing asthma. So I, I have literally a promotion that if you buy it for asthma and it's not gone after 30 days, keep it. I'll send you money back. So that's how certain I am that it will cure your asthma. Because it cured mine. I had severe asthma. Mm-hmm. Like I had an inhaler everywhere I went in the country. Every fight I had to open my lungs in the dressing room. I don't, have even, I don't even have one now. So uh, wow. it works really well. And that's why we're trying to promote it. And more and more people now start to see that it's actually not a gimmick. It really works. And uh, so I think it's good. We got Usain Bolt, three other gold medalists. They're all trading on. I have all the published medical journals to back up the claims that I have. Which published medical journal means it's clinically proven, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, it's not just clinically tested. What a lot of these dumb things say. They say, "Oh, it's clinically tested." I say, "Don't buy it." Why not? I say, "If it would have been, the test would have been great."
0: Yeah.
1: It, uh, they would have said it clinically proven, so wow.
0: the way they
1: say clinically tested, they just do that because a, peop- a person, a normal person, reads the word clinically and they go, "Oh, we got to go. It's clinically tested." Yeah, it's tested. What was the result of the test? You know, that's what you should ask yourself. Mm-hmm. But people don't, you know, you can sell them everything by just putting a few interesting words in it and then they buy it. Yeah, wow. So now they find out that this actually works and I think it will take off.
0: Wow. And, and, and please give the website and the name of the product and everything. Yeah. Yes, indeed.
1: Yeah it's, yeah, it's called the O2 Trainer. It's called O2Trainer.com. Okay. Oh, okay. So, yeah. And uh, it takes under four minutes. I literally do three minutes a day. That's the only thing you need to do. And it increases your whole inspiratory system. You're going to be able to expand your chest more so it can pull in more air. You know, so it's kind uh, it's of, yeah, it's doing things that I never expected it was going to do. Yeah, I'm very happy about it. I just have to change the, the model that it looks a little bit more. And then I'm going to go to an FDA and see if I can get approved. Of it. you know, because it's cheap. It's 50 bucks, you know, and you can cure asthma with it. That's pretty big, you know, I think. You know, no more medication. How good is that? So hopefully more people start seeing it.
0: Well, as a trumpet player, that will help me, too. I got to get hit oh, to that.
1: Absolutely. I had the sex player from the Eagles. Uh, okay. Chris Moslet, yeah. And he oh. said, all the stronger notes, everything, yeah. So, okay.
0: Yeah. I'm about to get right on if that.
1: You, <laughs> yeah, well, if you're going to do it, just send me your address, and then I'll uh, I'll send you one. It will be great because I have a review from the, uh, the, a player also, a trumpet player. That will be good. Oh, wow. Okay, I got you. Definitely. I'm I'm going to hook that up. Yeah. <laughs> And it takes really three minutes. Well, in the beginning, it will take you three and a half minutes. But once you get into it, like I do the hardest setting now in two minutes and twenty seconds. So I just add a few repetitions in order to make a three-minute workout. But three minutes maximum a day—that's it. Wow. And then you're you're going to feel a big difference. That's wow. Great.
0: Oh, wow, that's deep, but well, wow, boss. I, I thank you. Wow, you spent so much time with me. I'm blessed, man. Thank you so You're much. Welcome. I mean, for to have someone like you and and also for us to catch up too. Like it's such such an honor to 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 know you and honor to to call you my friend. And 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 it was so great to to have you on the 16th edition of Where They At. And we gotta hang out every time I go to L.A. I know you. You know It's either I'm only there for like one day and that's exactly. it, or 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 things are happening. Happening with you, but but uh, we got to definitely hang out soon for sure. You just
1: let me know, man, when you're here
0: and like for a little bit of time, and then we'll hook up. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I got trained train with you too. I got learn some things too for sure. Go
1: but... That's, that's <laughs> even better for me.
0: <laughs> well, the great boss Wooten on where they at Thank you so much, boss.
1: You're very welcome, brother. Got to feed.
0: Thank you all for listening to the 16th episode of Where They At. First and foremost, I wanna thank my guest, Mr. Sebastian Boss Rutten, a legendary mixed martial arts fighter. And wow, the memories he shared, the insight, the expertise, the great humor. I mean, this man is, is just wonderful to be around and, and I was very honored to have him on my show and I'm very glad to call him a friend. So thank you, boss, for joining me, and I want to also thank as well my good friend Eric Glover, who's a who's an accomplished martial artist, uh, trains in boxing, uh, kickboxing. Different martial arts disciplines, and and he got me to see MMA differently. So I give him credit because I'm, I'm starting to 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 check out MMA more and, and and appreciate it a little more. So I give Eric props for that. And also check out his album. He's a great rapper as well. His um his rap name is uh, E G And his album's called The Focus, so check that out. That's available on all digital platforms and everything. So definitely support him. He's a good brother. And I want to also thank all of you for listening as well and for your support. Make sure to check out the podcast and subscribe and follow and rate. Please, please, definitely. And it's available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. So it's involved with all of those um, platforms. So please uh, check it out and support and forward uh, to your friends and pass the word around, definitely. And also, if you like the music too, it's from my album Eclectic Excursions, which is available on NABATEISLES.com. That's Nabateisles.com. Or you could go on Amazon. You could go on Google Play. You can go on Apple Music. You could go on Tiger. Ty- You can go on Spotify, etc, etc. I'm signing off. So thank you all for listening once again to where they at. And I'll be back really soon. And remember, please be safe, be healthy and stay home because this storm of COVID-19 shall pass. Thanks again, everybody. Take care and God bless.